This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is the politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Ready to begin the long, long 4th of July weekend. 
which is going to be encapsulating a lot of entertainment. Yeah, you're going to get your talk. You're going to get your news. But now we kick into high drive. And I'm just the beginning of so much more that is to come. Six straight hours to the break of dawn. And remember, nobody's going to sleep. Nobody's going to sleep on me. That is the absolute most incredible insult that you can uh, pay to me who will definitely just be hitting the vibe for the next six hours and then so nice. The suits have me do it twice, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, Saturday morning, 12 to 6. That's the ride we're on now. And then Sunday morning from 12 to 6. And it extends throughout the weekend with Vinnie Madugno, Cousin Brucey, Tony Orlando without Dawn, uh, Joe Piscopo on the Jersey Shore with the Frank Sinatra special. And then, oh boy, wait, wait till you see all the extra hours that yours truly, Curtis Lee, was going to do because WABC, the acronym means always broadcasting Curtis. And we're going to be talking about all the TSA flight delays, thousands. The reason for some of you who are sitting at home right now because you could not escape for the long, long 4th of July weekend. And, of course, we're going to talk about Pizzagate and the attempt by the brothers, the brothers from another planet, Eric Adams and Donovan Richards, who were both on the QT of playing the race card, wanting to take our pizza away from the coal and the wood ovens that have made it a desire for so many to travel here to New York City to have pizza the way it was created years ago. In the ashes of Mount Vesuvius, in the shadow of Naples, where it was considered a meal for the poor. Oh, yeah, we'll get into all of that. We've had a series of parodies made by Chris Libertini and his crew about Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan. And we're going to give you an opportunity to rate them. There are eight of them. You're going to determine what is the best, what is the worst. And, of course, let's not forget, back-to-back, the Mets and the Yankees. From the Yankees having a perfect game that nobody cares about. I mean, nobody cares about. To the New York Mets, which continue to plummet down the basement, Bertha. Even on a day where the Milwaukee Brewers had to bail out of their coach on the way to City Field because they were trapped in Biden lock the other day, and they had to get on the John Rocker number 7 express train to City Field where the uh, manager told him, don't say anything. The last time this happened, John Rocker, who was the best reliever in all of baseball, coming out of the pen for the Atlanta Braves, said a number of insulting things uh, about so many different groups of New Yorkers that he was never able to recover from that. So they had to uh, put window shades on their eyes, cotton balls in their ears, and a zipper on their mouth. Now, why did I start the show playing uh, Average White Band? Because the whitest of all countries here in the Western Hemisphere is O'Canada. And once again, Canada has launched a full-scale attack against the United States. There's no other way to describe it. They have hundreds and hundreds of forest fires that apparently they are incapable of putting out. In Alberta, 
British Columbia, Saskatchewan, Quebec, uh, in the Maritime Provinces, outside of Halifax. And you say to yourself, a country the second largest in the world landmass size to Mother Russia. And they can't even put out forest fires. Or is this part of their effort to debilitate us and to send that first wave of enemy combatants into the United States as epitomized by the small particuli that are dancing in the sky? Now, it's not as bad as the first time, which was about a month ago. You may have remembered, oh my God, there was a red sun that rose over New York on that day in question. But now, now it's like we're being told, prepare, prepare, because the smoke-infected skies are going to remain this way probably until after the burn season in Canada, which takes place uh, uh, towards about September 30th and October. Anyway, we want to get a uh, check on uh, how the smoky winds of Canada are affecting all of you for a second time with a threat of a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh time in the future. And you have to ask yourself, how come How come the world is not sending their best forest firefighters from all over the world? Remember, Russia had the forest fires. Norway had them. Finland had them. United States certainly has had them. They've been uh, existing in Mexico, down in South America, and we don't seem at all to be taking this seriously. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But I want to hearken you back to a movie that was one of the greatest of all times, and it was the only movie that this guy ever made. Known for documentaries, quite a few of them. But it was the only full-scale movie he ever made. And I considered it one of the greats. That's right, Broadway Billy at the helm on loan from WCBS-FM, where he has been separated from the hip from his very dear friend Joe Causey. And, of course, Avery, our phone screener and nighttime producer, already... Putting on the chopping block to 20 hours of the Mameluke Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, the nationally syndicated show, will get those sliced up for us as if they were in pizza by uh, pizza pizza boxes. And that is the funniest hour in all of radio. But you're going to have to wait almost 24 hours until the break of the dawn tomorrow from four to five to get your slices there. But the greatest movie of all time, in my mind, was when we were called upon to invade Canada. Canadian Bacon, 1995, the last movie that John Candy appeared in. And remember, like all presidents attempting to stem the loss of popular opinion polls, when all else fares, fails, declare a war. And in this case, Alan Alda, if you remember, was trying to see well, who we're going to declare war against. Uh, we had peace at that time with Russia. Okay, can't declare war against Russia. We're enough terrorists. Had to find a likely group of people 
that we could get Americans fired up about. And that came about through Canadian Bacon, where the poster said, Help America fight the Canadians. The president at that time was defending his own belief that the future of the children is more important than war. But nobody cared about that. Because when all is said and done, what do we do to rally around the flag? We declare a war. And it was American Sheriff Bud Boomer who criticized Canadian beer, Molson. And that set off shockwaves in all of North America and led to our invasion of a country that barely has a standing military. And I believe we're on the cusp of doing that. I predicted this a month ago, if you remember Broadway Billy, when I did a video that went viral across the world. Hundreds of thousands of people watched it as we filmed it in our studios here at WABC. Our Krakajev chief engineer, who normally is out at our Tower of Power, 50,000 powerful watts of sound in Lodi, New Jersey, in the shadow of Bada Bing, that's right, Satin Dolls, the strip parlor where he gets brumskis and lap dances while preparing to ascend to check the discronificator to make sure that you're able to call. Not just on our AM side, but on our FM station, WLIR, which reaches out to the uh, east end of Long Island. And remember the acronym for FM, freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating uh, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and of course, the Mama Luke Frank Morano. So we're all in place here, ladies and gentlemen. We're all ready to go as I make my case. Why? For a second time, we've been invaded by small particulae, smoke that is filtered into our air that is going to cause people with respiratory problems all kinds of pains and strains. We've already been told, lock down and hermetically seal your windows. Keep your air conditioners on. Keep your air filters on. We can't even move around in our own country because of freaking Canada and Twinkle Toes Trudeau in Ottawa. I've had it, ladies and gentlemen. And that's right, Broadway Billy, you bring to mind our number one enemy that we need to deport and round up. They have no asylum here. The Canadian geese, a.k.a. the Canada Goose. They poop everywhere. They make it so that our parks cannot be used by our children and grandchildren. And when you chase after these Canada geese, these Canadian goose, whatever you want to call them, you slip and fall on their poop, and all of a sudden your sacrilegiac is whacked. And I'm telling you this, we need to round them up and deport them immediately. Hey, Trudeau! Take your freaking Canada goose, Canadian geese, back to Ottawa where they belong to be pooping all over your front lawn. That's number one. Number two, and the other reason that we need to invade Canada, I cannot stand. You know who that is. The favorite of that Mama Luke Frank Marano. Oh, my God. All he says is Captain Kirk this, Captain Kirk that. Oh, he plays his music. Oh, I want to slit my throat when I hear that. As if this guy were a top 40 phenom. You know who I'm talking about. 
Remember, he actually went to Red Bank and then to Teaneck, where... Who was that? What's his name? You know who I'm talking about. He's from Canada. I want to take him and deport him back. My we, dear Frank Morello. Yeah, 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 yeah. You murdered your wife, didn't you? She slipped and fell in the pool. That's what they said in Canada while you were down in Cali Cali. Did you take a plane out of there? Did you come in on the warm winds of Saskatchewan rolling? Yeah, you see? You see? I hate him. I hate him. I want to deport him. That's the second invasion that has come. And Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever, I want to deport him too. I hate him with a passion. Oh, my God, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, who's uh, one of the only Canadians that I can actually stand? Dan Aykroyd, right? Yeah, Dan, the man, Aykroyd. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But what do you all stunat? Are you brain dead out there? Has the particuli infected your medulla and your cerebellum from Canada that you don't know who the director of Canadian Bacon is? In fact, it's the only major motion picture he ever made, which I can't figure out. It was so good. Why didn't he make more? Why did he become a documentarian? And by the way, where was he from? He was not from O Canada. Close enough, but no Cohiba cigar. 1-800-848-9222. And let's remember Michael J. Fox, right? right? Right, Michael J. Fox. Alex Trebek, Lauren Green, a bonanza. Yeah, he was Canadian too. But that pales in comparison to the person that I want to snatch up and deport lickety-split. You remember his name, William Shatner. My dear Frank Morello. And I remember he was on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion with John Katzmatidis. And all John wanted to do was tell him what a Star Trek fan that he was, right? That they would would hang out in the student lounge at NYU. There was only one TV. And they had to watch William Shatner, right? And he said, aren't you an oil man? Aren't you? Hey, yeah, you're that oil man there. Then all of a sudden, you know, we had to switch to a commercial. He was screaming and yelling at our owner and operator, John Katzmatidis. And then Frank Morano had to get on the air like he was a form of air Prozac. And calm down, William Shatner, because he is William Shatner's Maytag. I want him deported to Canada. I don't understand. Because of what we're seeing now, this invasion for a second time. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Frank, Bill Shatner, how are you? Yeah. I hate him. So much bad rug on his head. Midget. You know, he's just a... He's like a... What do they call those things? A mime, a meme? What the hell do they call those things that you put in your front lawn? That's what they would do with him. 1-800-848-9222. Let's see if we could go to David in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Dave. God bless you, Curtis. Thank you for taking my call. Happy Independence Day, everybody. I believe that the Tommy Pinko you're referring to was born or raised in Flint, Michigan. And it was a very good movie, by the way. 
but I don't ascribe to his pinko politics because, you know, being a staunch anti-communist means you never have to admit to being wrong about anything because commies never admit they're wrong about anything anyway. So he was born and raised, I believe, in Flint, Michigan. And Canadian Bacon was a great movie. God bless uh, John Candy. Oh, by the way, Curtis, if I may. Yes. I think I know the cause of the fire. I think I know the cause of the fire. Uh, pray tell, uh, pyromaniacs, what? No, no. You see, uh, way back when, that little commie, Pinko, his mother was hobnobbing with Fidel Castro. So I think commie Pinko Fidel's illegitimate child's Barbie doll collection caught fire. And that's what's causing all the smog. It smelled like plastic on Thursday morning. So I said, yeah, Trudeau's Barbie doll collection caught fire. I, I could be wrong, but, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath like Hunter Biden. Let me tell you, you couldn't be more hopelessly correct. You are correct, Michael Moore. The only movie he ever directed, I don't understand, was such a great comedy film. Was such great satire. Why the hell did he stop there? And then all he did was flip the script and do documentaries. That was a great picture. Help America fight the Canadians. Canadian bacon. God, I love that. And oh, look, you know our history, ladies and gentlemen. Most of you are Americans. But this is a global entity. You're listening to us all over the world now. The only place you can hear us now with the app that any of you can download. Hey, by the way, if the old timers don't know how to download it in their iPhone, their smartphone, download it for them. This way, wherever they wherever they go, wherever they walk around, like Hoboken Mary, who had her uh, phone uh, downloaded by our own Chad Lopez, our copy de tutti, who said, hey, Hoboken Mary, you can listen to Jersey Joe Piscopo on the Sinatra extravaganza anyway. And she was so grateful. Do it for your parents or your grandparents. The only place you can hear this show on the app is in Antarctica. There's no doubt in my mind the penguins and the walruses uh, frolic there, but you cannot hear it there. You can hear it everywhere else, including in the land down under, where if you flush the turlet, it goes in the opposite direction, as it does south of the equator everywhere. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go, if we can, to Joan, who's calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Joan. Oh, hi, Curtis. Uh, I have a little trivia question for you, and uh, I can't really give you a cap. If you get it right, um, I could give you a bottle cap is about what I could give you. Uh, but the Okay, so here's the – by the way, your show last week on the movie Glory was fascinating. That was such an interesting segment and brought back so many memories of that movie. It was a great movie, and I'd completely forgotten the theme of the shoes and how important that was to the story. So uh, thanks for all of that. Um, Oh, okay. So you ready for my my trivia question? You've been taking a month of Sundays to get to your trivia question. I await. (laughs) I await because I am poised to give you an answer. Okay. Here's the the question. You have a name for our governor, Kathy Hochul, and you call her Kathy Hochul, right? That is correct. um, Right. Now, I won't comment at all on the or anything, anything like that. But I'm wondering if you know where the word hokum comes from. 
Ah, now I know it's meaning, which means nonsense. Right, right. But, okay. no, I don't know its origin. Please enlighten us. Okay, well, I know this from a movie. I can't remember the name of the movie. There was a movie with Bing Crosby and Judy Garland back in probably from the 1940s. And he's an old vaudevillian, and he, he says something to her about hokum. And she said, oh, what does that mean, hokum? And he says, you know, nonsense. And where it comes from, there was an old vaudeville kind of standard joke. Like we have the knock-knock joke. You say knock-knock, and everybody knows to say who's there. Well, in, in vaudeville, uh, the stand, the uh, comic would say, you know, uh, I, I couldn't get to work today on time. And the straight man would say, really? How come? And then he said, well, because blah, 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 whatever. And then there would be the funny line. So how come was a standard response that the straight man gave to the comic person. And it got qu- quickly said and it became hokum. And that's the option. Ah. So now you know. You've been saying it forever, and now you know where it comes but, from. But, 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 but what good are you? You don't even know the movie being caused me. I don't. I don't, but I think they didn't make a lot of movies together. If you Google Bing Crosby, Judy Garland, you'll probably find it. Hold on a second. You mentioned Judy Garland over the yeah. rainbow. Hold on a second. Do I hear a little Bing Crosby there? Sort of fading in and out. <laughs> but you have mentioned the anthem of what was Pride Month for an entire, for the entire June. I can't tell you uh, how many gin mills in Chelsea and in Greenwich Village where guys would get together with gay pride and be singing over the rainbow (laughs) by Judy Garland. And I always wondered, why Judy Garland? Why not Lady Gaga? Why not Beyonce? Why do these men, these dandy men, as they used to be called... Why, why, oh, why do they cry out for Judy Garland and Over the Rainbow? Do you know that answer, John? I wondered that, too. I don't really know why. There are a few people that, that, that gay men tend to like. Uh, who's the other one? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, but nothing comparable to Judy Garland no, from... No, well, she is a great singer. You have to give her that, right? I know, but from Cherry Grove and Fire Island to uh, the Keys uh, in Florida. You can hear this song when when the bartender says, Last round, me dandy boys. He said, One more, please. One more. One more song of Judy Garland. I don't get that at all. I really don't get how out of all the singers, it was Judy Garland. Even to this day, a new generation of gay men Dandy young men as they are. We'll go to the jukebox, the few remaining ones they are, and then pop quarter after quarter in, looking for Over the Rainbow by Judy Garland. And somehow it establishes the fact that if you like this song, you're gay. That's why whenever it would come on the jukebox, the place said, no, no, turn it off. <laughs> turn it off. That's not me. Because it has a mesmerizing effect. You know, Broadway, Billy, you could be borderline, maybe a little bi, you never know. And then you hear that song, and you never want to look at a woman again. I don't know what it is. It tantalizes, it titillates.
it makes you want to look at everybody as if they're nothing more than a rainbow. And that's why I would say, turn that song off! It's having an impact on me, and I... Oh, God. Oh, God, which direction am I going now? And then I'd be clicking my heels and saying, I want to go back to Kansas. I want to go to Topeka. I want to go to Wichita. I want to go to the heartland of America. I want to go to Wichita, where they had the very first White Castle, although there is no White Castle there now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. Fighting soldiers from the sky. Fearless men who jump and die. Men who mean just what they say. And I remember watching the artists perform this in the midst of the Vietnam War that we were all jingoistic about as LBJ looked into the lens of a camera and said, the Gulf of Tonkin resolution, we must escalate. We must destroy the North Vietnamese in the Gulf of Tonkin and invade further in to the shoreline of North Vietnam. It was all made up. Completely made up. Thousands died needlessly. Tens of thousands injured to this day. It was all made up. By the way, I was waiting for the appearance of Topo Gigio, the little Italian mouse who appeared with Ed Sullivan like maybe 85 times. And I saw this song being sung by a Green Beret. Ladies and gentlemen, what was the other piece of trivia about what became of this hero who urged us all into battle into the jungles of the Mekong Delta? It's what inspired John Kerry to become a swift boat captain. You know the rest of that story. Up and down the Ho Chi Minh Trail, the Agent Orange being thrust into that jungle situation. John McCain flying sorties over Hanoi 
with Jane Fonda underneath an Akakon going, da 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 die America, da 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 She's still alive, that propagandist. Oh, you had me in flashback mode. But you see, America needs wars to get everyone together, and I'm telling you, we have reason now, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, invaded by the smoky particuli from Trudeau's Canada. It sort of harkens up to me. Canadian bacon. As you can see outside, it's as orange as Sid Rosenberg and Donald Trump are when they come out of a tanning bed salon. But this is revenge from Canada. Wildfires burst in the maritime provinces now in Quebec, coming down the Northeast Corridor. They're upset. They've always lived in the shadow of the United States. And remember, we even made a movie, Canadian Bacon, where we invaded them and made them into the 51st state. And then, naturally, the Canada goose, the Canadian geese who poop all over us. That is a nemesis, but this is the worst yet. Poisoned air dropping on New York and the Northeast Garden. American technology will save the day. Look at all these air fresheners. Trudeau Jr., RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, Dudley Do-Right, and his favorite steed now. You will not overcome American technology. You may try to poison us with your air from Quebec and the Maritime provinces, but we will persevere. In fact, I will be the boy in the bubble. You will not take us down. We are the USA, 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 USA. Take that, Trudeau. That starts the war chance. And let me continue with another reason why. We must take advantage of this and invade Canada now. Good evening. Witness Simon reporting. NBS News has obtained pentagons that show our neighbor to the north, the sovereign nation of Canada, on a military program aimed at the United States. Canada for ages as a polite and clean country has under a socialist undertaken a massive military buildup on its border with the United States. I don't like Canada. It's freezing cold. Canada owns more of the U.S. than any other country. The Canadians. They walk among us. William Shatner. Michael J. Fox. Monty Hall. Mike Myers. Alex Trebek. All of them Canadians. All of them here. Is Canadian Prime Minister Clark MacDonald a member of a satanic cult? Most of Canada's vast military technology has been built and supplied by the United States. The Canadian National Tower in Toronto, erected to transmit nuclear attack warnings from radar stations in northern Canada, is now solely in Canadian hands. It is the height of six American football fields, or five Canadian football fields, as if Canadian football really counts. What would be the psychological motivation to erect a huge, long, rigid shaft? It's time for war against Canada. In fact, commentators uh, agree. 
First of all, there is no Canadian culture. I I've never read any Canadian literature. And when have you ever heard anyone say, honey, let's stay in and order some Canadian food? Congress is also asking intelligence agencies to investigate why the Canadians maintain a threatening lead in Zamboni technology. Think of your children pledging allegiance to the maple leaf. Mayonnaise on everything. Winter, 11 months of the year. Anne Murray. All day. Every day. And then, of course, Canadians who have nothing to do with hundreds of forest fires burning to Alberta, from Calgary to Edmond, up to the shale fields in which the Canadian Calgary pipeline has been shut down. That was the first act of the Biden administration. So they're unemployed. They have nothing to do. And the smell of fire is in the air. The warm winds of Saskatoon, Regina, Winnipeg, yes. They've had to close up the casinos there. Oh, in Winnipeg, there are Indians and casinos everywhere. Trust me, I've been there. And, of course, through Quebec, which we can reach out and touch from New York State and then the Maritime Provinces, Prince Edward Island. And all they do is dream up ways to ruin America through the air. Canadians are always dreaming up a lot of ways to ruin our lives. The metric system, for the love of God. Celsius. Neil Young. Of course I'm right. It was crazy of us to have been so blind for so long. But we thought, oh, they're just Canadians. They're practically the 51st state. We admired them. Clean streets, no crime, no minorities. How'd they do that? No slavery. God, there's a lot. Their entire government is run by socialists. Yeah, but it's not the real pinko stuff. No, 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 no. That's going wrong. They've always had these tendencies. Capitalism must be destroyed in all forms. What the hell is this? You see what I mean? We haven't been paying any attention. We think that, oh, they're a little strange with the socialized medicine stuff, but do you know that they provide free college to anyone? Free trains? Free eyeglasses, free condoms. Exactly. To every Canadian, all 40 million of them. In fact, there are now slightly more Canadians than the fleeing Californians who are fleeing in mass as we are here in New York. Let me just say that we know that Trudeau Jr., tiptoes Trudeau Jr., is a socialist. There's no doubt about it. He was the evil seed of his father, Trudeau Sr., who spent half his life at Studio 54, swinging with Bianca Jagger at the time, as Mick Jagger was with Mrs. Trudeau. Yes, they were at Plato's retreat, decadence, debauchery, and without condoms that are now free for every Canadian. I want to give you a few more Canadian facts as I bang the drums of war against the maple leaf. For those of you that think Canada is a mom and pop operation, it's time to wake up and smell the snow. Fact, Canada is now the second largest country in the world. Fact, Canadians freely cross over our borders, walking among us undetected. How many of you knew that they eliminated the Miss Canada contest? I think you're on to something here, Smiley. 
Remember the Air Force C-130 that crashed mysteriously a few years ago? And that just happened to occur over Canada, Mr. President. My God, that's, that's, that's shocking. How, when, when did they get rid of Miss Canada? A year ago. They got rid of the Miss Canada contest. We have Miss America. We have Miss Junior America. We have Grandma America. We have Miss Universe. All of them at one time owned by Donald Trump. They got rid of the Miss Canada pageant because of Trudeau Jr. We don't know if he is a man, non-binary, in question. Well, who knows? Maybe a transgender. He is the evil seed. Not of Jacques Cousteau. Now, I know some of you thought that Jacques Cousteau was swinging from the chandeliers at Studio 54 and swapping wives with Trudeau Sr. Just like Mick Jagger with Bianca Jagger from Nicaragua, Managua. As the cocaine flowed in the 1970s. Yes, it's time, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to continue to blow this smoke in our direction to poison our senior citizens. For those who are on the cusp of having lung cancer, the most deadly of all cancers, this will push them over the edge. Why? Because they're our allies. We give them slack. If this was done by the Red Chinese, oh, yeah, we got all upset. Go to war against them. What was that? Gordon Chang said they sent balloons over. This is smoke. This is dangerous to our health. I beg beseech all of you to consider in a warmongering way we need war. Remember, war is good for the economy. Let's just take Canada over as our 51st state. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Now my love has gained its fame, yeah. From Oaktown, war, as we slip into darkness, and who knows, when I take you to the break of dawn, and remember, nobody goes to sleep, will it be light outside, or will we be covered in the fog of war from Canada?
Drink your Coke 45 in your old English. Smoke your blunts. It may be the last in your life unless we seize the moment and we invade Canada. There can be no more vacillating, no more half-stepping. Canada is out to destroy our quality of air. First, they did it with a Canada goose, a.k.a. Canadian geese. And we did nothing. And now they're everywhere. And then they did it with Captain Kirk leading the way. And Justin Bieber, Biber, whatever. God, I hate them so. And now they do it with poison air. Poison air. How is this any different than if they had dropped tabs of, uh, not acid, no. Sarin gas, like Sarah O, remember, in Tokyo. Sarin gas, how do you know it's not pellets, little particulae of sarin gas? You think Trudeau Jr. is testing our defenses, knowing that Joe Biden is at the helm, huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah, I think President Xi for life behind the Great Wall of China doesn't recognize that. Putin in Moscow, and yes, even Trudeau. He's been called a little man, a meaningless man. He's been called a ballerina who can't even plie. Right there in Ottawa. So now he wants to show his fortitude, his machismo. He wants to show you he's got coulions. Slowly but surely, he seeps these poisons into our air. Put out your freaking forest fires! But they're being lit purposely to destroy our air quality. And all of our senior citizens right now who are on respirators, who are breathing oxygen in, are in peril. I will find any reason under the world to invade Canada, and we should do it swiftly and succinctly, put the fires out, and declare from Ottawa the Prime Minister's mansion... From Parliament, where Joe Biden spoke less than a year ago, you Canadians are to bow to the stars and stripes. You are now the 51st state. Let's go to Frank, who's calling from Jersey City. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Frank. Yeah, Curtis, thank you. Uh, God bless America. Happy birthday. Yes, God bless America. All right. Uh, yeah, a little fear because the world is so full of fake news now. And it's it's flashbacks to Christy Todd Whitman saying the air quality at uh, Ground Zero was clean. Now I don't know what to believe or what to think or what to smell. Your thoughts? <laughs> oh, you conjured up that image. You are so right. Christy Todd Whitless, that patrician. Mm who, in the midst of the attack of 9-11, weeks after, swore to everybody, inhale, 
exhale as if you were doing yoga breathing exercises in a public school at the urgings of Eric Adams, and you don't need a mask, you don't need a respirator, you don't need a hazmat suit, you don't even need Playtex gloves. She lied, and how many died? How many died, Frank? Wow, too many, too many. Right. To this day, to this day. But you also conjured up the image, to me in my mind, of the War of 1812. Remember where the Brits came from when they attacked our capital, they sacked Washington, D.C., and our president was last seen riding out on a horse out of town. You know they came in through Canada because they said that we had a desire to annex some of Canada at that time so they preemptively attacked us and tried to destroy America. Francis Scott Keyes, right in the the Bay of Baltimore there, the harbor. Fort McHenry, as he described the invasion. Do you remember that? Do you remember the words, Frank? Rockets right glare. <sighs> bursting through air. Yes, yes, yes. And the Brits invaded us because they feared American expansionism then. And instead of us rejecting the Brits, which we did, and continuing our expansion into O Canada, what happened? We got weak. We got feckless. We didn't cross the St. Lawrence River or the Great Lakes. We didn't go into Upper Canada or Lower Canada, now Ontario and Quebec, and along the coast of the Maritime Provinces. That could have been ours, Frank. We should have taken it in retribution for what the Brits did to us in the War of 1812. How true, how true. By the way, I always hated the Union Jack, and I would always tell the King or Queen, you can kiss my ass. (laughs) Come on, Americans. We're feckless and weak with Joe Biden. He needs a war to establish his machismo. The easiest target for us to take is Canada. They've given us now a second reason to invade them. They can't put out their freaking forest fires? What happened all these past years? We never had this before, Frank. This is true. And what are they blaming on, right? Are they running PSAs with Smokey the Bear up there with a maple leaf? You know, forest fires kill. Don't play with matches. No, they're encouraging their citizens, their pyromaniacs, light up the forest and poison America through the air. We will not tolerate this. We will get you, Trudeau Jr. If it's the last thing we do, nefariously, you are attacking us because we're focused too much on President Xi for life behind the Great Wall of China and Putin in Russia. But our true enemies, ladies and gentlemen... Other Canadians through Trudeau, and notice they're doing it slowly and systemically, particuli by particuli, through our air. They know, they know how damaging this can be. 
And what are we doing in retaliation? Nothing. Ugats, Bupkis, I say war against Canada and turn it into the 51st state. This way we can put out those freaking forest fires. Only you can prevent forest fires. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Sliwa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Waiting for tonight. Legitimately, Castle Hill in the Bronx. Jenny from the block. Jennifer Lopez graduated Preston High School, went to Baruch College. As much as a diva as she is, and she sure is up there with Mariah Carey. She is legitimately the Bronx. Unlike 
AOC, all our crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Socialists of America, hell-bent on destroying capitalism, destroying America on our birthday. Whereas we will be saluting the flag, they'll probably be burning flags on the grill. Oh, yeah. AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her mini-me's. But think of it. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a pretender to J-Lo. And that is AOC who claims she grew up in the Bronx, Park Chester. No one's seen her there. Her name was Sandy Cortez. What town in Westchester, ladies and gentlemen, did she grow up in? And it wasn't Mount Vernon. And it wasn't Yonkers. And it wasn't Odine Hill. Oh, no. It was upscale. Not quite Champaqua, where even the lawn jockeys are white, the whitest suburb in America. Not quite Armonk or Scarsdale or Larchmont or Mamaroneck. But it was up there in the rarefied stratosphere. What town was AOC all out crazy Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the Socialist America, from... 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And whereas the Canadians have Twinkle Toes, Trudeau Jr. in Ottawa, we have Buttigieg, 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 Buttigieg. The Secretary of Transportation, you remember Buttigieg, a person of no consequence when mayor at South Bend. Determined that he would run for the Democratic nomination, and he was the darling of the media. He could talk, uh, what, 38 different languages, including Norwegian. Who the hell can speak Norwegian like a squarehead? And the liberal progressive community fell in love with Buttigieg, 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 Buttigieg. But not African-Americans who said, hey, you're too McWhitey-Whitey. Hell no. And the end of the line came in South Carolina at the fish fries. When the predominantly black Democratic Party said, that's it, Buttigieg, it's the end of the line. It's time for a man even whiter than you, Joe Biden, to assume the Democratic nomination because he's the only man or woman in the polls who can beat President Donald Trump. And Buttigieg said, Buttigieg, 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 I am a gay American. No, 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 no. That's uh, that's the canard uh, known as a McGreedy, who is uh, planning and staging a comeback, a resurrection to become mayor of Jersey City, replacing Fulop, graduate of Goldmine Sachs, in which you sell them stock as they come in the door at Goldmine Sachs. And then you short them on the way out. Either way, you make the money and screw the client, right? That's the gold mine Sachs way. You saw it with Corazon. You see it with half in the bag Murphy. And you want to do it with Fulop too. And then just swap them out and put in McGreedy. Remember, it was G-R-E-E-D-Y. He was corrupt. And who helped corrupt him? Kushner's daddy. That's right. The son-in-law of Donald Trump. Kushner's daddy went away to jail, federal camp, 
in Alabama for whining, dining, and pocket lining, folks. And then, because he had an internal dispute with his brother-in-law in his own family, he hired a high-profile prostitute to lure him into a honey trap, which this sucker would have been lured into a honey trap if it was a skeevy uh, prostitute walking the streets of Hunts Point. The guy's testosterone was out of control. And then Kushner filmed his brother-in-law as he was taken around the world in 80 seconds by this hooker from hell. And then he took that VHS tape, made copies, and sent copies to his sister. How despicable. What do I And that's why Shamu Al-Hefe Chris Christie is not, not elevated, but must claw his way back by trying to score a TKO against Donald Trump because there was that room... In which then Donald Trump, in transition to the presidency, decided, Will I have you as my chief of staff, Shamuel Hefe Chris Christie? Will I have you as my attorney general? Will I have you in another role? Maybe Homeland Security, you could go up and down the Rio Grande as the killer whale orca that you are now and then all of a sudden Kushner came in hey wait a second you can't do that he messed up my daddy and that was it for Shamu El Jefe Chris Christie who now seeks vengeance and a blood vendetta against Donald Trump we will see how that plays out, ladies and gentlemen. There he is as he floats his way up and down the Jersey Shore from Point Pleasant to Wildwood to Little Egg Harbor. Shamuel F.A. Chris Christie, who is now... Morphed into Orca, the killer whale. Wants vengeance. Because Trump sided with Kushner. And not a man who used to fetch the Mickey D's. Yes, on the road towards the presidency in 2016. Trump's number one sickle fan, Tony and Lackey, Chris Christie's job. Was to depart, air Trump, go to the nearby McDonald's and order. The fish fillets, the superside fries, the shakes. And unfortunately, on the way back, he would eat half the order and be humiliated by Donald Trump, chastised by Trump. So now, he believes vengeance is his. Watch. Orca, the killer whale now, as he looks to capsize the SS Trump. But you have caused me to digress, Broadway Bill Lee. So have you, Avery, a phone screener and nighttime producer, already slicing and dicing up the 20 hours of that Mamaluke Frank Morano's 
the worst side or the other side of midnight, his nationally syndicated show. And in a little more than 24 hours, you will have once again the funniest hour in all of radio, all of radio, from uh, 4 to 5. But now we must talk about Boudicier, 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 Boudicier. Is he still on family leave? Let me give you a tale of the tape of the FAA. 472 flights delayed or canceled uh, over this past week. 8,000 flights nationally canceled. 43,000 delayed. They blame it on severe weather last weekend. But others say there are 1,200 fewer air traffic controllers than even a decade ago. But Boudicier, 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 Boudicier blames staff shortages of the airlines and the weather delays. And it goes on and on. The excuses just continue. And I know that many of you are probably at home right now hoping that you would have been listening to this very show where you can do it globally all over the world with your laptop computer, this stream, or your worktop computer, or the app in your iPhone or your smartphone. And you had hoped to be in a different location, but you are now landlocked. You're not going anywhere. You bought your tickets, you planned your vacation, and lo and behold, you'll be watching fireworks from your home Wherever it is you live in the tri-state area or beyond. And I will tell you this. There are a series of rationales as to why are Americans almost born right to be able to get to a nearby airport and fly, fly away, especially during the times of mass exodus and vacations. It's no longer a rite of passage. I want you to listen to a potpourri of different rationales and excuses that were emitted this past week alone. Rough week of air travel. Uh, You probably have noticed if you've been at the airport this week, the continued chaos could impact your 4th of July weekend travel plans. Since last Saturday, there have been more than 8,000 cancellations. But what's really significant is the delays, nearly 43,000 of them, according to FlightAware. United had the most disruptions. Its CEO taking aim at the FAA, blaming the chaos on understaffing at the government agency. Stephanie Haynes live at DFW Airport to explain in Dallas, Texas. Stephanie, is there any truth to those claims against the FAA? Well, Adrian, good morning. It depends on who you ask. The FAA is firing back, saying it's the airlines who do the delays and cancellations. And unions for pilots and uh, flight attendants are blaming company leadership, saying that they need to step up. But as United points out, the FAA warned about this air traffic controller shortage going into this busy, busy summer travel season. And so now you, the passenger, are bearing the brunt of it. Millions of airline passengers are holding out hope they will get to their destinations on time after a frustrating week of delays and cancellations throughout the country. There's no flights on any airline available. JFK, Newark, nowhere. Severe weather last weekend forced delays and cancellations, mainly in the New York region. 
airlines have since bounced back, according to a tweet from Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. The one exception, United, whose CEO, Scott Kirby, called out the FAA, saying it, quote, failed us, citing, quote, staffing issues and their ability to manage traffic. In response, the FAA says, we will always collaborate with anyone seriously willing to join us to solve a problem. Scott Kirby came out swinging. He's clearly upset about the air traffic control situation. He doesn't have much concrete uh, evidence that the FAA was solely at fault here, but uh, he is uh, pointing to something that people are warning about a long time. The Union for Air Traffic Controllers testified before Congress back in April that the number of fully certified air traffic controllers is the lowest it's been in 30 years. There are 1,200 fewer controllers now than a decade ago. However, the FAA disagrees and points out U.S. Department of Transportation data shows besides weather, the airlines are mainly to blame for disruptions, accounting for 38% of cancellations in 2021 and 2022. Both the Airline Pilots Association and the Association of Flight Attendants agree with the FAA that United's current issues are not from the lack of air traffic controllers. The president of one tweeting this photo Wednesday, apparently showing crews sleeping in airport cots. Quote, this is the situation across the country united for crews. Unacceptable. Probably some internal things that united. We don't have concrete evidence yet how much their uh, staff shortages hurt things, but that's no doubt a factor. The solution to all this? Patience until the airlines and the FAA figure this all out. Pacience, as my grandfather Fidel Bianchino told me. Pacience, Wanyan. We've run out of patience. I think what we need is to go back to old school ways, ladies and gentlemen. I conjure up the memory. Again, in one of the greatest motion pictures of all time ever made. I believe it was back in 1980, Airplane. And the air traffic controller, a man who had his finger on the pulse of flights coming in and out, is played by the great Lloyd Bridges. And a 508 reports, bring it straight in. Yes, sir. Put out a general bulletin to suspend all meal service on flights out of Los Angeles. Tell all dispatchers to remain at the post. It's going to be a long night. How about some coffee, Johnny? No, thanks. I want the weather on every landing field this side of the line, no matter what the size. You understand? Any place, any place where there's a chance to land that plane. Stan, go upstairs to the tower and get a runway diagram. Terry, check down the field for emergency equipment. Chief, we got fog right down to the deck, every place east of the Rockies. No possible place they can land. They'll have to come through to Chicago. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. I want the best available man in this. A man who knows that plane inside and out and won't crack under pressure. How about Mr. Rogers? Get me Rex Kramer. One of the classic scenes of all time, Airplane. Remember the serious actors, the thespians who appeared in that show who had never done comedy before? Robert Stack of The Untouchables. Elliot Nelson. I said, Elliot Ness. What the hell am I talking about, Nelson? With a great Walt Walter Winchell, 
doing the voiceover. And then here was Robert Stack being comedic. Peter Graves had never been comedic before. But he was in the cockpit with who? Lou Alcinder, a.k.a. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from the Inwood Projects, courtesy of Power Memorial High School. We have a visitor. Hello. Hi. This is Captain Over, Mr. Murdoch, and Mr. Boston. This is Joey Hammond. Well, hi, Joey. Come on up here. You can see better. Joey, we have something here for our special visitors. Would you like to have it? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Sure. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? Do you want me to check the weather, Clarence? No, why don't you take care of it? Joey, you ever hang around the gymnasium? We better get back now, Joey. No, Joey can stay here for a while if you'd like. Could I? Okay, if you don't get in the way. I believe that that scene indicated that the menace to our air traffic control system, to our pilots and co-pilots, pedophilia. It has become a malaise. How many of our pilots, how many of our co-pilots, how many in the cockpit? Once again, I need you to hear this loud and clear from the lips of Lloyd Bridges. No, from the lips of Robert Stack. No, the lips of the Dr. Leslie Nielsen. No, from the lips of Peter Graves. We have a visitor. Hello. Hi. This is Captain Over, Mr. Murdoch, and Mr. Boston. This is Joey Hammond. Well, hi, Joey. Come on up here. You can see better. Joey, we have something here for our special visitors. Would you like to have it? Thank you. Thanks a lot. Sure. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? Do you want me to check the weather, Clarence? No, why don't you take care of it? Joey, you ever hang around the gymnasium? We better get back now, Joey. No, Joey can stay here for a while if you'd like. Could I? Okay, if you don't get in the way. In 1980, we had an opportunity to end this scourge of pedophilia. That was affecting pilots and co-pilots. It was unabated. You know, at that point, at that point, you would have thought that they would have said this is tasteless and criminal behavior. That was 1980. That was 43 years ago. And it's only gotten worse. So between a combination of factors, less air traffic controllers, pilots, a second, third generation who themselves have been affected by their pedophilic ways. We, ladies and gentlemen, have the problems with our aircraft being able to maneuver in and out of airports all throughout the United States, and especially the worst hub is Newark Lousy Airport, JFK Worse, and, of course, LaGuardia. Yeah, ours is the absolute worst system. And what are we doing about it in the New York, New Jersey airspace where fully three-fourths of all U.S. flight delays take place? What are we doing? Nothing. Like with everything else. And the FAA blames the airlines. The airlines blame the FAA. 
I blame what goes on in the cockpit. Pedophilia. You heard that. And naturally, the fact that we no longer have men and women at the command who are there in air traffic control, like a man who was serious as a heart attack, Lloyd Bridges, could we once again have Lloyd Bridges handling air traffic control the way it should be handled in a man's man way? And the 508 reports, bring it straight in. Yes, sir. Put out a general bulletin to suspend all meal service on flights out of Los Angeles. Tell all dispatchers to remain at the post. It's going to be a long night. How about some coffee, Johnny? No, thanks. I want the weather on every landing field this side of the line, no matter what the size. You understand? Any place, any place where there's a chance to land that plane. Stan, go upstairs to the tower and get a runway diagram. Terry, check down the field for emergency equipment. Chief... We got fog right down to the deck, every place east of the Rockies. There's no possible place they can land. They'll have to come through to Chicago. Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. I want the best available man on this. A man who knows that plane inside and out and won't crack under pressure. How about Mr. Rogers? Get me Rex Kramer. Was that Pee Wee Herman running through who said... How about Mr. Rogers in the sweater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania? You see, we need men and women to take charge. In the air traffic control positions that require them to move planes around like dominoes high in the sky, we just, the fortitude is not there, the ability to make those decisions. I think it's because this new generation has been raised on video games from Super Mario Brothers right on up, and they have attention deficit disorder. You cannot be an air traffic controller if you suffer from ADD, no, because you have to stay right on top of every flight that is coming onto the tarmac in LaGuardia, in Newark, and especially in JFK. I yearn for the days of the types of air traffic controllers as epitomized by Lloyd Bridges in one of the greatest films of all time, Airplane. And I loathe what became a growing menace in the cockpits of America's airlines, the pedophilia that was embraced by, I dare say it, can't believe this man who had so many serious parts, who was a graduate of Strasburg's method acting school. And then all of a sudden, this. Peter Graves. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
Ah, you see, pedophilia. Why don't you come with me, little girl, on a magic carpet ride? Started with the film Airplane, Peter Graves in the cockpit, and extended to Steppenwolf's magic carpet ride. Why don't you come with me, little girl, on a magic carpet ride? The nemesis of our transportation air industry. It's not just been the dearth, the lack of air traffic controllers, but the spread of pedophilic ideas from pilot to co-pilot, from steward to stewardess, to the ground crew, even to the maintenance department. I believe that a cancer exists, and there's only one way to excise it. To the uh, phones we go. Frederick calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Frederick. Yes, Frederick. 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 I should never have trusted anybody calling themselves Frederick. Probably thought that he was from the House of Austria. Frederick, uh, are you there, Frederick? Frederick, 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 where art thou, Frederick? Where are you? Let's go to Michael calling from Ridgewood, New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Michael. Thank you, uh, Curtis. Or should I say, Mr. Mayor and the 2025 election for mayor, the victor. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Although... Unlike Eric Adams, who claims that God spoke to him 30 years before and told him he would be mayor on January 1st of 2022, God has not yet called me up to tell me that, Michael. There will be a draft Curtis movement. I'm warning you. But I need God to tell me that, Michael. Anyway, uh, let's get back to... uh the suburbs of Westchester County. Why AOC did... could have come from Pound Ridge, Mount Kisco, Bedford. No, wait a second. Pound Ridge, that was where the infamous federal judge, Judge Sands, came from, who tried to force uh, low-income housing on Yonkers. I remember um, that was the... Uh, the councilman at that time, the mayor, former mayor, had uh, been a detective in the NYPD. Do you know who I'm talking about, Michael? I can't remember the name. I'm throwing that out as a trivia question to anybody out there. I know the name, but I don't want to share it with anybody. I'm being selfish here. I want somebody else to purge their anyway, name. Anyway, uh, on top of it, I remember when Patco went on strike, the air traffic controllers, and they were fired. Yes. 
And if you remember, the leader of the union, the president of the union, was taken out in chains and shackles on the orders of then-President Ronald Reagan. He heard their complaint. He said, get back to the towers. We'll see what we can work out. And the flare lines cut back to the idea of full planes. That is correct. In fact, many people said that uh, that was a mistake by Ronald Reagan because this was a white-collar union, a more educated union. They would not fold like a cheap camera to his demands. And the people couldn't have been more hopelessly wrong because it was Ronald Reagan who forced the... um, the union to capitulate. But are you aware that that was about 1980, 81, 81, I believe. But the seed of pedophilia had already infected the cockpits of America in the show Airplane, right? right? The movie Airplane, 1980. There was nothing that Ronald Reagan could do. <sighs> they cut that off. In fact, if you remember, a very dear friend of Nancy, just say no, Nancy Reagan, always wearing a red dress, just say no, was the founder of a great institution that provided asylum and sanctuary for many young runaway children, not just here in New York, but down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where I've seen their operation, and in New Orleans, where I've seen their operation. What uh, Catholic organization am I talking about and who was the father who led that, who uh, turned out to be one of the worst pedophiles to ever exist in the history of mankind? Boy, am I throwing out a lot of uh, tidbits, uh, progresso breadcrumbs. Boy, if you can't get this one. You might as well just go back to listening to the lame Frank Morano on the worst side of the other side of midnight who who says he never does trivia, right? Oh, trivia. It doesn't lead to conversation. He couldn't be more hopelessly wrong. What was the name of this great organization that continues to this day? What was the name of the priest who founded this organization? And I'll add another one, the Trinity, the Troika, the Trifecta. Who was the New York Post editor? Who aspersions were cast against when he published this story about the founder being one of the worst pedophiles imaginable and almost didn't survive the attacks, the ridicule, And the anti-Semitism that came with it. Oh, boy, did I put it all together. What a package of trivia there. Unravel that, ladies and gentlemen. That's a real brain buster. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bill calling from Florida. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Bill. Hey, Curtis, I just want to let you know where AOC was from in Westchester. Uh, She was from Yorktown Heights. You couldn't be more hopelessly right. You are correct. Her name uh, was Sandy uh, Casio, like a valley girl. 
And then she created, you know, before there was George Santos, that fake, phony, fraudulent Fagazi who was in court uh, earlier on Friday, uh, there was Sandy uh, Casio, better known as AOC, all out crazy, pretending that she was like J-Lo from the block in the Bronx, which she never was, Bill. Never was. No. No, she used to visit family there and all, but uh, no, she stayed in New York in Yorktown Heights. That isn't the hood, is it, Bill? Not a, no, not at all, not by any means. In fact, what do they generally have on the hoods of their cars? They on their Beamers and their Benzes and their Rolls Royces. On the hoods of their car. Yeah, uh, the very medallions that thieves love to steal and sell so that thugs can wear them on a chain around their neck. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah, see? I, you see, that's, that's, that's what a hood rat does. They don't own the yeah. car unless they steal it or they're a drug dealer, but they get the medallion. On the hood of the car, and then they rock it round their neck on a chain like Flavor Flav did the clock, except it's a symbol of a Beamer or a Benz or the ultimate, a Rolls Royce. Oh, oh, that's what they sport, huh? Yeah, yeah, see, Bill, Bill, you're getting it. Bill, not a hood rat. You can tell he escaped to Florida from Westchester, but he certainly wasn't from Yonkers or Mount Vernon. Who he would have known that that answer. Let's go to Steve in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Yep, it's Covenant House and Father Bruce Ritter of infam- infamous fame. Yes, and do you remember the editor of the New York Post who uh, jeopardized his career by running front-page headlines about that as he was under attack by Nancy Reagan and all the friends. Of, no, uh, I did not follow the uh, editors at the time, but I remember the entire scandal about uh, Father Bruce Ritter, who used Covenant House as his private little chicken coop for se- sexual escapades, both boys and girls. But the outrage is really that the Catholic Church transferred him to some unknown destination. He was renamed, and he was foisted upon another population and may, for all we know, be doing it to this day. He went to India. He was assigned to India, Steve, although they claimed that they defrocked him. Um, I believe that Father Ritter started in a tenement in the Lower East Side, not far from where I lived for a while, at Avenue A in St. Mark's Place. If you ever pass there, a lot of action. 131 Avenue A, the second floor, that was me. But a few blocks away, in addition to Oliver Stone doing cocaine in an all-black room with black light, and, uh, yes, Carlos Santana having uh, frisky parties in one of those tenements, that put him in the ninth precinct uh, holding tank uh, on uh, one occasion while they were taking me in in handcuffs. Uh, he lived in a tenement, and he started to take in young boys who he said were runaways, and they were. Except he wasn't trying to necessarily get them back on track, provide housing uh, and uh, protection for them against the many predators in the street, To a degree, he did that, 
But there was a price that some of those young boys had to pay. They became victims of his pedophilic ways. And then he was able to raise millions of dollars for a great cause, Covenant House. It still exists today. I think it's run by a nun. But I have seen their work in uh, Fort Lauderdale, right near the beach. A lot of runaways there. They do great work there. I've seen their place in New Orleans. They do great work there. And they do great work in New York. They need to be praised. They did not collapse after the stain of pedophilia just blanketed their organization because of the actions of Father Ritter. But Jerry Knackman was a great managing editor of the New York Post, and he put it on the front pages for days. They had done exclusive reports, really good journalism. Should have earned them the Pulitzer Prize, but they would never give the Pulitzer Prize to the Post because it's a tabloid. I remember talking to Jerry Knackman, and boy... He was being attacked from all quarters. Anti-Semites were attacking him. Catholics were saying that he was a Catholic basher. Poor guy. Turned out he was vindicated. He was correct on all those charges and all those allegations. And their father, Ritter, eventually fled to India to re-engage in his pedophilia. Jerry Knackman was never given the attention and the recognition he was due, and he soon after died at a very young age. So I'm taking a moment of our time here, as I have in the past, for Victor Rizal, who is a great journalist and racket buster, who reported on union corruption, and then was blinded by the mob. They took um, sulfuric acid. They threw it in his uh, eyes. He lost his sight. And yet he continued to write. Remember, he did commentary on Channel 5 when it was owned by Metro Media. The tagline, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? And he was a broadcaster at WEVD, named after Eugene V. Debs, the socialist. And I appeared with him many times there. What did WEVD eventually become, ladies and gentlemen? Let's see a few uh, folks who are very uh, cogent and knowledgeable and uh, very adept at knowing how sometimes call letters change and become other stations. Like WNBC became the fan. What did WEVD, Eugene V. Debs, that station become? A station that had a very socialist leaning. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Oh, I want to get away.
bit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. You ever seen a grown man naked? Do you want me to check the weather, Clarence? No, why don't you take care of it? Joey, you ever hang around the gymnasium? Pedophilia, yes, in the cockpit. And then it spread like a cancer. By the way, uh, with our problems of air flights, as the FAA blames the airlines for not having enough staffing, and the airlines blame the FAA for not having enough air traffic controllers, over the past 35 years, country after country has converted its air traffic department away from a government-controlled agency into a public utility. Canada, yes, Canada, whose system has newer and better technology than the FAA. You see, our nemesis are the Canadians. It's not President Xi for life behind the Great Wall of Red China. It's not Vladimir Putin in Mother Russia. It's not the evil seed of Kim Jong mentally ill behind the kimchi curtain of North Korea. It's Tiptoes Trudeau in Ottawa, in Canada. I've warned you about that. I've warned you about that. Let's go, if we can, to uh, Steve, who's calling from Garfield in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Hey, Curtis, I love this show. I swear to God, you're the only person who does what you do about radio. And I'm a nerdy. You know, I, I told you I, I called several times last summer. I used to work with uh, Jay Sorensen at NBC. And... Um, by the way, I was at WEVD when the AM, when they signed off the air, Alan Cohn's last show. Um, I knew uh, 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 Tony D was uh, an engineer there, and his son, Brian, is now programming at, at Sirius. I'm good friends with him still. Yes, and uh, we dearly miss Alan B. Combs, one of the great oh my God, yeah. talk radio hosts at night, overnights. That was his specialty. I hated the politics. It wasn't uh, natural to him. He did great theater of the mind, magnificent theater of the mind, and he is sorely missed. He really missed. did, yeah, yeah. I liked his politics, but uh, one of the nicest people in the business, one of the nicest people I ever met in my life, Alan. And uh, as far as the answer, WEVD, yeah, the AM, they're now uh, ESPN. They're WEPN. Excellent. Um, uh, yes, you very cogently understood that WEVD, named after Eugene V. Debs, was a socialist station. Do you know who first owned WEVD? Um, I don't think so, no. The owners of the Yiddish and English edition of the Forward. The Forward, that's right, that's right, and um, and also, how about the FM? The FM became uh, uh, now is does uh, a, a mega? It's WSKQ. La Mega, Andale. Yes, Mega. Yeah, well, yeah, it's pretty Sunday, soon. That's right. Pretty soon, Steve, uh, with all these illegals, uh, that will be the go-to station bar none. Uh, yeah, I know. The, I, I got to tell you, they're very good at what they do. I, I, don't, 
I don't speak Spanish. I, I know a lot of the words, so I could kind of understand it. Their production is fantastic. They're a good station. Oh, it is. I've appeared. Um, I've appeared on La Mega, and the interesting thing oh. is that they sometimes some of the shows, not all of the shows, but the morning show, every tenth word is a curse word in Spanish, and uh, clearly, oh, I, yes, clearly yeah. the FCC only focuses on English language stations. And they have a problem with me because I'm able to slip in curse words in Italian and Yiddish. Oh, yeah, you're the best. You're a wordsmith. <laughs> Thank you. You know, Thank and you. I'll tell you who else was great, except nobody could work with him because he was he, he's a little demented in the head. But one of the best people was Jay Diamond. Oh, absolutely. He could do voice imitations. Yeah. As well as anybody ever could. Uh, the other one we had was Brian Whitman from Staten Island. Oh yes, yes. The both he was of very them. Very good. The both of them. For, so, for instance, Jay Diamond could do a Mario Francia Bruta Cuomo that if you were just turning in, <laughs> you thought that was Mario Cuomo. He did Al Slim Shady hey. Sharpton magnificently. Brian Whitman did a Michael Jackson that that fooled even people who had known Michael Jackson, and he did a great Al Gore. Oh, he was very. Oh my God, I miss him. What is he doing anything these days? That's on the radio, or yeah, he went out to uh, Los Angeles. Uh, was very successful uh, in FM radio and then AM. He was at the Salem uh, station. He hosted the morning show. And I believe he's gone on to other endeavors, but I always felt he should have come back to a, his home away from home, WABC. He was great here. He used to yeah. listen to yeah. Bob Grant, the king of talk radio, with his little transistor radio while delivering the advance in Staten Island uh -huh. in the afternoon. Hey, I, I do great voices, too. I used to do them for Jay at NBC. I do all kinds of radio people, dead and living, and uh, actors and actresses like Dino used to do on MCA. Uh, the, the Dino on the radio, WMCA, literally actors and actresses are now. The, uh, the uh, initials are MC. Who, who am I thinking about? The call right now, plus 29944. Hmm. Dino on the radio. Dino. And you want to hear my Ingram? <laughs> yeah, of course, Dan Ingram. Yes, please. <clears throat> Seven seven WABC. I'm Dan Inger. Proud to be with you, Kim Wasabi. It's 18 minutes after uh, it's, uh, six o'clock right now, and uh, we got uh, Rick uh, James in the news thing, and uh, Joe Nolan's going to do the uh, Blinky uh, traffic uh, thing here. And oh, 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 by the way, the our group of the day today are uh, people whose uh, spouse uh, finishes the joke. Uh, did, did you hear uh, the one about uh, the the, uh, the guy the, the guy who had <laughs> did you hear the one about the uh, guy who had an affair with a canary? Uh, he 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 came uh, came down with uh, chirpies, right? Dan Ingram, yes, seventy seven WABC. Proud to be with you, Tim Masabi. And uh, by the way, hi to Bill uh, Broadway. Bill, I, I like Bill. He's, he's a good guy. He puts good sound effects, right? Yes. Ah, grand. Yes. Right. Steve, uh, you did an excellent Dan Ingram from the heart of Garfield, New Jersey, which used to be Polish and Italian, and now he's Mexicano, Latino, Latinas.
dedicated to all you illegals who are coming in at us to suck a taxpayer's expense. W-A-B Sliwa. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Sliwa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. My, 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 my music hit me so hard. Makes me say, oh my Lord, thank you for blessing me. What am I doing? To the break yeah, of dawn, nobody going to sleep. Look at my eyes, man. Look at MC Hammer's eyes. To the break of dawn. Fresh new kicks and bands. You got it like that. Now you know you want to dance. So move out of your seat and get a five girl and catch this beat while it's rolling. Hold on. Pump a little bit and let them know what's going on. Like that. Like that. Yo, sound the bell, school is in, sucker. You can't touch this. Give me a song, a rhythm, making them sweat. That's what I'm giving them now. They know, you're talking about the hammer, you're talking about a show that's hot and tight. Singles are sweating so fast. MC Hammer from Oaktown, Oakland. Like we started off the show with war, remember? Slipping into darkness. Also from Oaktown, except MC Hammer had an entourage and a half. You would have needed a 747 just for all of his dancers and performers and groupies and roadies. At one time, he was number one, second to none. Stop. Hammer time. Hammer time, yeah. Hundred people on the stage, man. You, you didn't know where to look. Damn right, fly girls, fly boys. They were flying, throwing hook kicks. I mean, you name it, they were everywhere. Everywhere, because it was hammer time. Yep. Cartoon, cereal, he had everything, man. Then he thought he could be hardcore rapper, and he changed it to hammer, and it was over. Yeah, now he, he was in trouble by then. He was over. Yeah, it was over. Called the IRS, just like with Wesley Snipes. <laughs> he owed some money to Uncle Sam. Yep. Oh, yeah. But well, we remember the good old days when it was hammer time. You can't touch this. I'm like, where, how, where all these people come from? 
Oakland, man. West Oakland. He didn't take nobody from East Oakland. Nope. He brought all the Oakland with him, man. That's right. And I remember the projects in the west side of Oakland. They were down with hammer time. When he went on tour, the streets was empty in Oakland. <laughs> all the old people loved it. They were like, good, take them all. <laughs> and let me tell you that famous time. He was a horseman. Carl Icahn was a horseman. They were up in Saratoga. And remember how MC Hammer used to dress? He'd have a little vest on, but no shirt underneath, no tie, none of that. And so he had horses at Saratoga running, and Carl Icahn had his horses. And they made a wager in cash. Each one had a bag of fat cash. And all of a sudden, his entourage was coming into Saratoga, and it, like, filled up almost every seat because it was hammer time. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. So at that time, they had two of the leading thoroughbreds, and it was neck and neck around the stretch, two-thirds of the race. Carl Icahn was screaming, hook him! Hook him! Hook him, Daniel! And MC Hammer, he was doing the dance. His MC Hammer dancers were doing the dance. And then everybody came up to him, the security, and said, you got to wear a suit. You got to wear a tie up here. And he flashed that cash, and he did his dance, and said, it's Hammer time! You got it like that, now you know you want to dance. So move out of your seat and get a fight going and catch this beat while it's rolling. So in the stretch, MC Hammer's thoroughbred nosed out Carl Icahn's thoroughbred. Carl Icahn, who had grown up in uh, Far Rockaway, was a seahorse, went to Far Rockaway High School. Same high school that produced uh, Bernie Maddow, Richard Bay, and uh, oh, she was the darling of the talk show circus. Back in the 60s and 70s, she was, before there was Dr. Laura, there was this woman who came out of Far Rockaway High School. Just about the time that Richard Bray, the great talk show host, uh, remember Broadcast 9, WWOR when it was the Superstation, and then of course here at WABC when he was teamed up with Steve Malsberg. That was a great show until they decided to kill one another. Cause it was Hammer Time! So Carl Icahn, one of the richest men in the world. The person that um, Wall Street was all about because he would buy companies like TWA, strip them down to their bare essentials, fire people, and said that that was good for the economy. Oof. Uh, you remember Michael Douglas in Wall Street with, who is that? Charlie A. Sheen. Habitat. So Carl Icahn's uh, mother was a teacher at Far Rockaway High School, the Seahorses, not far from Bayswater. 
In fact, I think he lived in Bayswater right before you hit five towns. But I will tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, he proved not to be a Welcher. Very important. John Gotti Jr. was a Welcher. He would Welch on all of his bets. Unlike his daddy, who ordered my execution through John Gotti Jr. One thing I could say about John Gotti Sr., he paid his bets off. Not his son. No way. Not his son. He was a big time Welcher. Now, why would I ever stop doing this with others making records that just don't hit? I pull around the world from London to the Bay. It's hammer, go, hammer, empty, hammer, yo, hammer, and the rest can't go and play. Can't touch this. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you have an opportunity to choose the best Eric Adams swagger man with no plan. Mayor of the Illegal Aliens parody. They have been produced and distributed by Chris Libertini, the imaging expert of WABC, the voice of WABC, and a number of his crackerjack contributors. In fact, Eric Adams, a swagger man with no plan, has been in such a free fall, self-destructing himself, that he has become fodder for the many parodies created by the great creative talents of Chris Libertini. But as you know, Broadway Bill Lee, you who work with Joe Causey during the week at WCBS-FM, you know it's like a love-hate relationship. Sometimes you love them, not that close. You're not butt buddies. And sometimes you loathe him and you'd like to take a hammer to his head. Never mind hammer time. You can't touch this. Likewise, I and Chris Libertini have been like uh, ammonia and bleach at times. I must recall for you his series of what is New York, right? Statue of Liberty, really New York. The Lincoln Tunnel, really New York. Bull feathers, it's New Jersey. And boy, we went to war on that one because like most residents... 77 WABC. Both are real New York. What was that one? What were the two there? Let me hear that again. Racy Mansion and 77 WABC. No, no, no. That's New York. We got to gotta click it. Lincoln Tunnel. That's it. That's it. No, no. That's New York. That's New York. Boy, you're a little slow. You didn't bring your A game today. Statue of Liberty. Ah, see? That's New Jersey. So you see, he's a resident of New Jersey, and let's face it, New Jersey, a lot of people have low self-esteem. They either want to be attached to Philadelphia if they're in the south southern port of the state, or New York if they're in the northern portion. And those uh, who are mid-state are confused. They're mensa, mensa, poco, poco. They don't have an identity. And so they latch on to things. Say, I want to be like New York. I want to make the Statue of Liberty New York. I want to make the Lincoln Tunnel New York. I want to make the George Washington Bridge New York. Hey, schmuck, you go halfway through the tunnel, halfway over the bridge, it says entering New Jersey. The American Museum of Natural History. No, not that, Broadway Billy. <laughs> oh, my God, you left your A-game at home. Well, what you bring- the Brooklyn Bridge? No, oh, that's New York. Well, well, what did you leave your A game over at WCBS FM with Joe Causey? Rockefeller Center. 
No, that's New York. Oh, God. You're so lame. The Empire State Building. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's Newark, New Jersey, right? What the hell is wrong with you? My God. Penn Station. Yeah, yeah. right. It should. Yeah, well, technically, you are correct. There's Penn Station in Newark. Is Penn Station in Baltimore, and is Penn Station in Washington, D.C. They're all named Penn Station, including the one in which it's like zombies in Dawn of the Dead roaming around here on the Manhattan side in the shadow of the uh, uh, the post office, the central post office. So, yeah, 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 yeah technically you're correct there, technically. Grand Central Station. Where the hell you think that is? Manhattan. Oh, my God. Carnegie Hall. Manhattan. Coney Island. Brooklyn. The Bronx Zoo. Oh, my God. Figure that one out. Sheesh. Bryant Park. Yeah. Manhattan. Madison Square Garden. Where do you think? Washington Square Park. Oh, my God. Tompkins Square Park. Yeah, I used to live there. Remember 131 Avenue A across the street, Avenue A, St. Mark's Place. Come on! The GWB. Okay. Okay, that's it. GWB. Enough. We got that. We got to the Statue of Liberty and the George Washington Bridge. But Chris Libertini has been uh, creatively inspired. I don't know if it's by Leonardo da Vinci. I don't know if it's by Matisse. I don't know where the creativity comes. All I know, it's this thing of ours, radio. And of late, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who wears the $5,000 customized suits every day, a different one. Nothing off the rack from men's wholesale outlet. No. Um. The mayor gives him so much material to work with. Like every day, he gives him more and more material. So let's rate them. Ladies and gentlemen, you get to pick it or pan it, make it or break it. Think of yourself as Dick Clark, the American bandstand in Philadelphia. That's for white people. Or let's cross the racial divide because everything is racial, especially here at WABC, which stands for Always Broadcasting Caucasian, except when it comes to Dominic Carter and uh, James Golden. Although, let's be honest, if you listen to Dominic Carter and you listen to me and you didn't know who we were, you'd think I was the brother and he was the McWhitey-Whitey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because let's face it, most people you know named Curtis are black. But now I got to get back on track because we can also do Don Cornelius in Soul Train who would have the um, Make It or Break It song. You know, the guy would come out, he would do the Caterpillar. The other guy would be brushing his teeth. Remember that? When they'd have the Soul Train dance line. And I would say, man, I wish I was in Soul Train. Man, I could do the robot to the break of dawn. I think that was the only time I danced to a Michael Jackson song. That pedophile on a pedestal was to do the robot. One time I did the robot at Pastels in Bay Ridge. 
for like a half hour. You know, you know how much schwitz uh, you uh, goes flying off your uh, body because you're wearing that polyester waffle weave flame retardant shirt does not absorb the schwitz. It's not cotton. You got the bell bottoms and then you got the um, marshmallow shoes. But you caused me to digress. So we have Chris Libertini. We have a love-hate relationship. Most of the time, I hate this guy with a passion right down to the marrow of his DNA, New Jersey DNA. The other time, he sparks up my creative interest because he does parody. So let's rate them. I am going to play for you seven parodies he has done. His topic, Eric Adams, Swagger Man with No Plan. First one, Broadway Billy, the one that I used to rock so much that we had to get a new cartridge to put it on in order to put it in a slot. We wore it out. All in the hips. It's all in the hips. <laughs> it's all in the Work with me now. It's all in the hips. Yeah. It's all in the hips. 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 Get off of me. It's all in the hips. Hey, just easing the tension, baby. It's all in the hips. I'm on tonight. You know my hips don't lie. I'm a hips. 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 Let's go. Real slow. Don't see, baby. Let's see. It's all in the hips. They know I'm on tonight. My hips don't lie. I'm a hips. 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 Attraction. Attention. I am completely open. You know, I'm a nightlife man, and I like to test the product. Music by Shakira, created, produced by Chris Libertini and his minions. I must admit that's my favorite because it epitomizes what Eric Adams has achieved as the nighttime mayor, right? The party time mayor. That he's achieved. Everything else, no. It is approximately now East Coast time, wherever you're listening all over the world. It is approximately about 2.23. And Eric Adams is still at the Club Zero Bond. As you know, I've got rats over there. They tell me. He is still at the Club Zero Bond. He arrived at 12-12. Wow, how prophetic, 12-12. Now, I must tell you, when you have a private club, because I've been to private clubs years ago, and I know they haven't changed. The reason they're private is that whatever happens in a private club stays in a private club. And the witching hour is still always 12 midnight. You don't turn into a pumpkin but boy, it gets freaky dicky. Whatever you want, you can get. You want a little Play-Doh's retreat? You want a little action with a guy, a gal, a non-binary, a transgender? Sure. You ever been in a cockpit before? <laughs> Not quite pedophilia. No, no, no. I've n- never seen that go on. But if you're a swinger, you get to swing. You like to do kukina, man, they put the lines out for you, and you go. Half of Colombia can go up just one nasal cavity, and then half of Bolivia can go up the other nasal cavity, courtesy of the Cali and Medellin cartels. I mean, it's drugs galore, ecstasy, 
shrooms. Everything goes because whatever happens behind closed doors at Club Zero Bond or any private club stays behind closed doors. That's why you pay so much money. Now, the mayor doesn't pay money to go there. He gets it uh, on the cuff. It's a gratuity. So he doesn't say nothing and nobody else says anything. But he'll be sashaying uh, uh, Campose, I would say, probably in about five minutes. He generally leaves about 2.30. And then he heads over to uh, Johnny Petrosian's condo. Those are the two brothers, the money laundering brothers. Uh, I guess he likes to hang out with guys who've been convicted of money laundering. And he goes to their apartment in that 90-floor Trump Tower across the street from the United Nations in U.N. Plaza. He walks right through the front door. His police intel drop him right off. They stay in the SUV. He stays there. Does not stay Gracie Mansion. He's admitted that because he said Gracie Mansion is haunted. <laughs> that's right. You put illegal aliens in there. Ain't nobody there at night. That's for sure. There ain't nobody there during the day. Floyd Lindsey Young. I don't think you would ever invite him to a private club. After he has a few tequilas in him, you can imagine Lloyd Lindsey Young running around screaming like that at the top. Boy, stop doing the coke, they would say. Keep that guy out of here, that hillbilly huckleberry from parts unknown. Oh, God. Stop. Have a time. Every time you see me, got hammers just so So I like that all in the hips parody. That's my favorite. But, hey, that should not influence your vote. Next up, based on Eric Adams trying to pull that slice of pizza out of your mouth before you eat it, if it came out of a cold or wood-burning oven, is the pizza parody. Sky Mayor Adams, he cries front page story. He hears words from the sky like he is Jesus Christ front page story. Jailbirds sing, ring-a-ling-a-ling, ring-a-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing no cash bail No cash bail Eat this, Eric Adams. He's changing pizza pies. I really care about that. Brick oven slice, yeah, I like it like that. I have one only burning desire. Let me eat pizza from coal fire. 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 Love it. That's uh, parody number two. So you had all in the hips. You have the pizza parody. And then you have something that could have literally been a promo on the History Channel. Not when it was the Hitler Channel, but when it was the History Channel. The Adams History. And now, 
Sid and Friends in the Morning presents Great Moments in Adams History. Achievements of people with the last name Adams. Like Brian Adams. In April 2006, he was inducted into the Music Hall of Fame. Like Amy Adams. In 2017, Adams received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Like Ansel Adams. His main accomplishment was the development of the zone system of developing. And he even won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And finally, New York City Mayor Eric Adams. One of my best gifts, as you know, marijuana is legal. I have raw. I did not know. I have raw. I am not aware, Mr. Mayor. I'm not into that scene. I have bamboo. Oh, you know, big. And I can't give you this gift. I'll give it to you later, you know. <laughs> So that is uh, parody number three, as epitomized by Eric Adams acting like a goofball the day after he beat me for mayor in the general election and decided that it was his turn to speak to the nation, why they should come to New York on the stage of the Ed Sullivan Theater, hallowed grounds, and uh, a person of no consequence who is the host who they just hired for another three years. Could you believe that? And he talked about, you want to come to New York? Come for the marijuana. Because I smell some weed. Someone is smoking. (laughs) Someone is smoking. (laughs) What a goofball. That's parody number three. We've got four more to go. But remember, you could vote for All in the Hips. That's my favorite. The Pizza Parody. Or what could have been a History Channel promo. The Adams history. Our numbers one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. It's all in the hips. <laughs> and now, Sid and Friends in the Morning presents Great Moments in Adams History. Achievement. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. Oofa! It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. I need a witness. I need you to witness these Eric Adams parodies as created by our uh, imaging uh, director, the voice of WABC, Chris Libertini, and his many minions. So far, we've had three up. My favorite, All in the Hips, then the pizza parody, and the Adams history parody. There could have been a promo on the History Channel. And remember, we're taking you to the break of dawn, so don't even think. Don't even think 
of falling asleep and then you'll wake up and you'll get back on track. It doesn't go like that. So parody number four, parody number four is about the illegal invasion that Eric Adams is welcoming in. He's the Papi Chulo. He's saying, who's your, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? And they're saying, you are. Put us up in a three-star, five-star hotel, three squares a day. Oh, Obama phone, flip phone, and health care. And is there anything else that we can uh, squeeze out of the sucker tax base? He says, whatever you want. Because he calls this his pivot and shift moment on his way to the presidency of the United States. This is not a shelter issue. This is a humanitarian refugee migrant crisis, humanitarian crisis. And so we're going to pivot and shift as the need. <laughs> pivot and shift. I do the boogaloo. I salsa. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. First you pivot, then you shift. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. The walls. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. This is not a shelter issue. First you pivot, then you shift. Pivot, pivot, pivot. Pivot and shift. Pivot and shift. Excellent, excellent. Pivot and shift, which we used to call. Very good, very good. The flip-flop. The old uh, form is, hey, I'm ready to flip-flop. But naturally, Eric Adams, who flip-flops every day, had to change the vernacular because, you know, he wants to show you he's got some fly. So he calls it pivot and shift. It sounds better than flip-flop, right? Of course. And then, of course, there is the ultimate pivot and shift one. This uh, embellishes it more. Uh, Let's hear it for Chris Libertini. He is the imaging director of WABC, the voice of WABC, and his mini minions. (laughs) What up, Mr. 212? Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Joe. We can pivot and shift another way. (laughs) We're going to pivot and shift based on the need. If these buses stop, we're going to shift and we're going to pivot. We're going to shift and we're going to pivot. We were hit with this and what did, what did we do? We're going to pivot and shift. This administration will pivot and shift. <laughs> very good, very good, very good. Now, these are two of my favorites coming up back to back, belly to belly. They sort of have a tinge of Rod Serling. As you know, Rod Serling. Unfortunately, a two-pack a day smoker, actually smoke on the Twilight Zone, smoked War Hero. In fact, he uh, served uh, two areas uh, of our battle conflict in uh, World War II. I think he served in the Atlantic uh, against the Nazis and against the Japanese in the Pacific. I believe that is true. I, 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 I look, I could be corrected on that through some constructive criticism. They're raising money to build a statue of him in Binghamton, New York. You figure they would have had it up already. This guy is world-renowned. Rod Serling of the Twilight Zone. Well, here is the Twilight Zone featuring Eric Adams. It's been 10 years of horror. It's horrible. Eight years under the Blasio, almost two years of Adams, 10 years of horror. Since 2013, New York City has witnessed a terrifying reality. Trapped in a paradox filled with crime, 
turmoil and pizza rats. All this coinciding with the mayoral elections of Bill de Blasio and Eric Adams. For the last 10 years, the people of the greatest city in the world have been trapped in the Twilight Zone. He's creepy and he's crooked, mysteriously stupid. The leadership is putrid, Eric Adams' family. His house is a museum, when migrants come to see him. Mayor Rudy did it better, Eric Adams' family. Crime. Slime. On your dime, he's the swagger man with no plan. Horrible for Manhattan, cause stabbings tend to happen. Eric Adams' family. I think I might actually switch my favorite choice from All in the Hips. We played number one. Can I hear All in the Hips again? Because now it's comparable to 10 years. The Eric Adams and Bill de Blasio 2.0 torture that they've put us through with a Twilight Zone theme. Let's listen to All in the Hips so we can compare. It's All in the Hips. <laughs> it's All in the Hips. It's all in the hips. Yeah. It's all in the hips. 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 Get off of me. It's all in the hips. He just teasing the tension, baby. It's all in the hips. I'm on tonight, you know my hips don't lie. I'm a hips. 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 Let's go. Real slow. Don't you see, baby? It's all in the hips. They know I'm on tonight, my hips don't lie. I'm a hips. 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 Attraction. Attention. I am completely open. You know, I'm a nightlife mayor, and I like to test the product. No, I still like all in the hips the best. Uh, that Twilight Zone was good, but now, the final Twilight Zone entry. Like Chris Libertini and all of his minions. And it has to do with Eric Adams speaking to God. New York, 2023. As a smoky smog previously encompasses the city with panic, the mayor of the city hears noises from above. God spoke to my heart. Is it the noise of an extraterrestrial being? No, he claims it's the word of God. This mayor's name is Eric Adams, and under his reign, he receives a holy message from the Twilight Zone. God spoke to my heart and said, you are going to be the mayor January 1st, 2022. God took the most perfectly imperfect person and brought him to a level of being the most powerful mayor in the city of New York. I like that one a lot. Again, you know, I love Rod Serling and the Twilight Zone. That caught caught my attention. Maybe if I merge both of them together. No, 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 no. Again. This God Speaks to Eric Adams Twilight Zone parody. Let's compare it to my favorite at this moment. All in the hips. It's all in the hips. <laughs> it's all in the hips. 
work with me now. It's all in the hips. Yeah. It's all in the hips. 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 Get off of me. It's all in the hips. You're just easing the tension, baby. It's all in the hips. I'm on tonight, and my hips don't lie. I'm on hips. 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 It's all in the hips. New York, 2023. As a smoky smog previously encompasses the city with panic, the mayor of the city hears noises from above. God spoke to my heart. Is it the noise of an extraterrestrial being? No. He claims it's the word of God. This mayor's name is Eric Adams, and under his reign, he receives a holy message from the Twilight Zone. New York, 2023. As a smoky smog previously encompasses the city with panic, the mayor of the city hears noises from above. God spoke to my heart. Is it the noise of an extraterrestrial being? No. He claims it's the word of God. Hmm. Boy, this is a tough one. I am completely open. You know, I'm a nightlife mayor, and I like to test the product. Yeah, we know that. It's been ten years of horror. It's horrible. Eight years under the Blasio, almost two years of Adams, ten years of horror. Since 2013, New York City has witnessed a terrifying reality. Trapped in a paradox filled with crime, turmoil, and pizza rats. All this coinciding with the mayoral elections of Bill de Blasio and Eric Adams. For the last 10 years, the people of the greatest city in the world have been trapped in the Twilight Zone. New York, 2023. As a smoky smog previously encompasses the city with panic, the mayor of the city hears noises from above. God spoke to my heart. Is it the noise of an extraterrestrial being? No. He claims it's the word of God. Dime. He's the swagger man with no plan. Horrible for Manhattan. Go stabbing sent to happen. Eric Adams family. The Twilight Zone. God spoke to my heart and said, You are going to be the mayor January 1st, 2022. God took the most perfectly imperfect person and brought him to a level of being the most powerful mayor in the city of New York. It's a tough one. It's very tough. Uh, Report. Swagger man with no plan. The mayor, mayor of the illegal aliens, has left Club Zero Bond. He did so expeditiously at apparently about 2.38 this morning. To head over to the uh, condo of Johnny uh, Petroisian and his brother, Two convicted felons who uh, pled guilty to money laundering and a whole host of other crimes. What is it about money launderers? 
that is attractive to Eric Adams. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I would tell you I met a shorty there, but I can't say that on TV. (laughs) It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. This is the remix for the city. Let's just start snapping. Crack hit bleak on the jack like let's make it happen. Oh, it's me. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. I'm all the way Shorty, up. what you want? I got what you need. Shorty, what you want? I got what you need. Shorty, what you want? I got what you need. Terra Dome, Fat Joe, French Montana, Cokehead, French Montana. Actually came in from Morocco. Decided he was going to get involved in import-export, right, of uh, kilos of cocaine. Local homies taught him quick with a bullet right in the head. But he somehow survived. I'm the only one in the room that they fear right now. I think they clear right now. Let's celebrate no red champagne. We don't play that. All we see is gold bottles and paper plane hats. 21 Grammys that I use for Duce cups. I'm on the penthouse floor. Call your way up. The OG said, ho, high, high is high enough. I said, till we eye and eye with the higher ups. Until we let them know we ain't those. Until our baby showered in gold. Blue looking like Pac in the tub. David LaChapelle levels are not giving the full. Prince left his masters where they safe and sound. We never gonna let the elevator take us down. Of course you be up. You do all that cocaine. French Montana. His label is Coke Boys, right? And who does he hang with? Yeah. Mayor Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, along with Ja Rule. Hey, Ja, Ja, come on, man. We know you pumped that lead into Curtis Jackson, a.k.a. 50 Cent, outside of the Rochdale Projects. Everybody said it was you and your homies. Come on, Ja Rule. Come on. Wasn't it you to pump that lead into Curtis Jackson, who culturally appropriated my name and became Fitty, 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 Uh, I'm Steph Curry in the clutch. Take a shot of this royal elite and go all the way up. All the way up. I'm all the way up. By the way. Then became the spokesperson for that, what was that, vitamin water? Nothing more than turn the tap on, put some water in a bottle, put some food coloring in, and the suckers out there to, oh, yeah, vitamin B12. Yeah, meantime, you're paying mad money, like $4 a bottle, right? And they're running to the bank. All these guys, white guys, Hispanic guys, black guys. Played the system and who bought it for four billion dollars? Coca Cola. But it's really too late now. I'm going back. One of these bitches, two of these bitches gotta die. Three of these bitches, four of these bitches gonna cry. Five of these bitches, 
Let's go to William in Manhattan. Yes. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. William? Yes, I wanted to tell you, you're the greatest of all time, man. Nobody did it better than you. You're the best of all time. You're the best, the best, all right? You're the one that interviewed me when we was at Penn Station. You put the cameras on me, and you did the best that you could do when you run the floor, all right? You tell the truth, all right? The compass and square on the uh, north star, the eastern star, the greatest, man. Hello? Yeah, no, 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 uh, man. I'm lo- lo- loving every second. You're, you're pulling my chain, yeah, chewing well, my well, shorts, well, man. I'm the one that I'm the, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that you have met over at John the Baptist Church on the stairs with all the police there. I work at the church, all right? I'm the comedian guy, and I said you should have won the election before it was over, all right? We know what's really taking place behind the scenes, all right? The fake, fraudulent Fugazi, all right? <laughs> they're, they're, they're phony. It's like the same thing with me. I did audition for Def Jam. I've done Caroline's, but now I'm great in my comedy because I tell it on the streets, but I tell them reality. The phony part about it is they want to deface the identity of American society freedom. That's what's going on. They don't want to give you a voice. There's no sexuality. There's no identity. There's no human beings anymore. If you can really make love to a UFO, you would figure out. Don't look into an eyeball because it can blind you. The lights can blind you, but they don't see the reality of what's taking place in reality. It's just like ABC. You know, Laurie Stokes, Sade Bederenoir, Dana Tyler, Pat Battle, all of them. They're the greatest of all time. It's something about anchors that I fell in love with. I just want them to sweep me off my feet so I don't have to tell jokes. And they'll take me to a whole nother planet and I can marry W-A-B-C-Y. one of them. Hello? Go for it. Go for it, man. You're on a roll. You're on a roll. It's well, open mic, well, William. Open mic. Well, uh, well, the whole point, I'm from Hot 97, all right? I've been on the air with Storm Buck Wild. My name is William Anthony Branham, all right? He got kicked off the air, my friend, uh, uh, Troy Terrain, but he's a, he's a good personal friend of mine. Uh, but in reality, it's no longer Democratic and <laughs> And Republican is more so they want to turn this into um, communism, not capitalism anymore. They done lost every way, but we know who's going to win that election. You and I know that, all right? They could play these little head games with themselves all they want. And these people going down into that little uh, Titan, that's like, how are you going to play with a joystick in an Atari game? You mean, I mean, when you grow up, you don't play with little, like, Ouija boards. You grow up. It's called a stock market with letters and numbers that run, roll on a board. <laughs> you know, you can laugh now and cry later. I have many different characters within myself, but you're the best. Mm. You're on a roll. You're on a roll, William. It's your night. It's your night. Well, the whole part about the night is we, when we wake up in the day, what is it about this uh, goddamn, uh, what do you call it, um, meditation? No, what they need to do is look in the mirror and say, hey, if I can't play basketball, maybe I could just take a whole bunch of colors and you could get uh, uh, Frank Morano and Carmine could just 
splatter some paint on a canvas and, and we'll call it Picasso for the whole night. All right, and then you could and, and, and then Frank Morano put the signature on it and you'll put your signature on it. And we all make a whole bunch of billions of dollars here. All right, and Rita Crosby with her raspy voice, which is so beautiful. You know, theater of the mind, before there was television, there was radio. Yours so truly, radio the is television. Oh, snap. All right, on a higher level within Deaf, Dumb, and Blind. Stevie Wonder, all of them, uh, Ray Charles, all of they could see within the darkness and the light. We never know what will hit us when it comes, all right? They're not going to say, you only have enough time before nuclear warfare comes. No. This is like the time of the plague because they are not listening to God. When you listen to God, we may not get burnt. Before man tries to blow up the world, God is already here. Oh, I Sending out so. all of this stuff. You know, it, it's like Noah's Ark. It's already here. You're a weirdo, you know, that's all. see it. I mean, how are you going to uh, de deface the identity of babies' sexuality? It's going heavy now. It's really I'm a complete idiot. I know that. But you're the greatest. Man, this guy in the world. Freak. I'm not trying to polish your boots. I'm telling you the reality. To take a look in the mirror. You know what you created, and you know those voices in your mind. <laughs> Laugh now and cry later. Oh, yeah. Hello? There's some deep voices in my mind, William. Oh, God. Oh, okay. Really yes. deep. And, and, and that's where your creativity came out. Sometimes, you know, they, sometimes they're talking to me in surround sound, William, all at the same time. Well, I'll tell you one thing. At, at Euclid Avenue, the people that own the Mack trucks, the Viducci family... All right, and Rosanna Scotto, Drop Dead Gorgeous, Rosanna, Laurie Stokes, all of them, all right, Dana Tyler, uh, Michelle Marsh. Reggie Harris was my mentor from Channel 2. Mm, I, we dearly miss Reggie. Died, died far too young, far too young. But let me tell you, William, you had a stellar performance at the open mic tonight. On the best of the other side of midnight, because you're not going to hear that with Frank Morano or anyone else, are you? Now you're going to hear about no labels, yeah, third party, fourth party. It's like, what? What? This is theater of the mind. This is our entertainment. As we take you to the break of dawn, all weekend long, ABC always broadcasting, Curtis, because you never know. What to expect next? W A B Sliwa. Check this out on the weekend. Info. Take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Sliwa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa on another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa.
Till the break of dawn, nobody's going to sleep. As you know, oftentimes I've played this song, this Hulk Hogan classic WWF song. Whenever there is an individual out there who has stood their ground, fought for what they know is right, that individual, Daniel Penny, had to go into court briefly this week and uh, answer to the grand jury's charges. Now that he'll be uh, at home and awaiting a criminal court date probably a year from now. And it will be a trial, no doubt, up there in the annals of history with the uh, subway gunman uh, Bernard Getz's trial back in the 80s. But let's put that aside for right now. We'll always be able to talk about the hero Daniel Penny, the Marine, who came into that F train at 2.30 in the afternoon, was on his way to um, go to the gym and also to try to get a job as a bartender. That's what he was seeking because he thought that would introduce him to a lot of eclectic people. Yeah, people half in the bag. But there's nothing that's come up negative about this guy ever since that situation occurred in which he had to take down Jordan Neely, hold him, while two other good Samaritans uh, assisted him in that process. But let's switch gears to the forgotten island, what some people call Satan Island, as we cross the Guinea gangplank. Built years ago to connect Brooklyn with Staten Island, a.k.a. Staten Italy, in which I saw what appeared at times to be like half of Brooklyn just unearthing themselves from their foundations and heading across the Verrazano Bridge, brand new. I'll never forget there was uh, that time that I was with my uncle Vincenz. We were at the White Castle, right there on 86th Street in Bay Ridge. It's no longer there. They were in the midst of constructing that Verrazano Bridge, I think uh, the weak one, the Jelly Belly uh, guy, silk stocking congressman, eventually became mayor. John Lindsay, who helped destroy this city, was in charge, and I'll never forget my uncle Vincenzo, who looked like Bella Lugosi. Oh, yeah, he was quite the dapper guy, quite the dancer, quite the romantic, quite the crooner. And believe it or not, even though he looked like Bella Lugosi, he was quite the ladies' man. I'm not going to throw any shade on uh, his face in death, but let's just say he was constantly on the prowl. And he bought us a bag of uh, White, Cons- White Castle belly sliders, belly busters. 
And as I stared up at the construction of the Verrazano Bridge, he was telling me that, hey, kid, this uh, one young, this is it. Like half our family's going to be heading across that bridge. What are you talking about, Uncle Vincenzo? It's going to happen. The lure of Staten Island. Before that, I had ventured out to Staten Island when we'd go to pick up my father, merchant seaman, 54 years, Chester, as his, uh, whether it was the oil tanker or the, uh, uh, let's see, what was that at that time? The Horace Lukenbach, the cargo ship, would go through the Straits of the Verrazano, depending on whether there was fog or not, and work its way through the Arthur Kill, the Kill Van Cole. The cargo ship uh, to uh, the port of Newark, uh, Port of Elizabeth. And when it was a the Gulf Deer, the oil tanker, it would go right into the tank farms that are all there, uh, all along that part of uh, Staten Island. No bridge at that time uh, connecting, uh, connecting Brooklyn to uh, Staten Island. So we would end up, end up actually... Taking the ferry across with a 54 Ford uh, Old Betsy with the wood paneling white water tires with my mother. And we pick my dad up and bring him home. Uh, either because uh, the ship was uh, uh, dropping him off for his four-month vacation. He'd have four straight months and then he'd have to go back. Or we were picking him up for his brief visit at home, usually a day, and then we'd have to bring him back. Either they had discharged all the oil in the tanker ship, cleaned the tanks out, and now he was prepared to go back, or they had uh, they had emptied the cargo container ship, and now he was prepared to go back and begin to uh, continue sailing as a bosun at that point. But Staten Island at that time looked like it was a Dutch Reformed island. I mean, it didn't look like the Staten Island it is now, which is transplanted Brooklynites. No, 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 no. It was a far different Staten Island. And I guess at some point, there was a guy who was birthed there. He was eventually developing into one of the greatest performance artists of all time, Scott Lebedo. But he is a son of Staten Island. Many, many years when I first broke into talk radio at WABC in the mornings, I remember we would talk about Scott Lebedo and all of his uh, all of his artistic tricks that he would do to gain attention for the causes that he was trying to portray through his art. Truly is a performance artist. And I remember in the middle of the campaign against Eric Adams, it was a hot, sweltering, I think, July day. I was very tired, had a full day just a few hours later. But there was something that said, if this is a Scott Lebedo show, you want to show up. Uh, I remember we went through New Jersey, Jersey Turnpike. We passed the Bayonne Bridge, which they had elevated to the tune of billions of dollars. You remember Bayonne Bridge. What 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 movie, what remake was the Bayonne Bridge blown up in? The Tom Cruise starred in. Our numbers one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. So past the Bayonne Bridge, past the Gothos Bridge, took the outer bridge crossing. And then all the way out to Mount Laredo. And there were hundreds and hundreds of men and women and their families there. 
and it was dark. And then Scott Lebedo unveiled a art project that he had been working on for quite some time uh, that was to be transported by the Tunnels to Towers Foundation, which we uh, we urge you to donate to all the time. Great foundation. It's roots right there in Staten Island. Stephen uh, Siller, who uh, on the morning of the attack at 9-11, was supposed to be going over to play golf with his brothers and some friends, and then he saw that the uh, World Trade Center appeared to be hit by a plane, an errant plane, uh, or what was first reported to be an accident. Although I never thought it was an accident, and I was broadcasting at that time with Ron Kuby, whose mommy was a commie, and said that I believed it was an act of terrorism. I had just come from the firehouse the week before at Bryan and Seneca where Eddie Brown, one of the original guardian angels uh, who had a patrol at Zuriga Avenue in the Bronx when he first came about through Parkchester, he's now the United, uh, um, actually the United Firefighters Association treasurer. But back then he was assigned to Bryan and Seneca. Rough firehouse there, surrounded by tenements, Lots of gangbangers and lots of drug dealers. And I remember when I was sitting with the guys in the kitchen where they were bending their elbows, uh, breaking the uh, spaghetti to put in the water and stirring the marinara sauce. There was a book on the table, and I asked Eddie and some of his colleagues about that because it had the World Trade Center buildings, the two towers, in a gun site. And I said, what's this? And he said, well, these are plans that we train for in case any of the skyscrapers in Manhattan are attacked in a terrorist attack. I said, wow, do you mind if I look through this? And I looked through it briefly, and it had sort of details of what the firefighters should do if, in fact, one of those towers went on fire because they had, it had been firebombed or it was the result of some kind of bombing or some kind of attack, and they were drilling about that. And then a week later, the actual attack itself. I was there sitting in the studio. I had worked my way all the way back from West Palm Beach where the day before I had been a featured speaker at the News America Marketing Conference. That's what's owned by uh, Rupert Murdoch. It's the parent company uh, that uh, makes the money that enables Rupert Murdoch and his family to do a lot of the things uh, that uh, they have achieved. And it's basically a coupon company. The coupons that you used to get in the newspapers, the coupons you now get in the supermarkets, and the signage in the supermarkets. Uh, So I think there's Vlasic and there's News America Marketing. But I digress. So I had been down there at a conference, and I gave a speech. Meantime, Muhammad Atta, just uh, oh, about a day before that, had gotten into a battle in a gin mill with some of the locals, and he almost got arrested. Cops arrived. He chilled out with some of the, his co-conspirators, and uh, they didn't uh, bother to arrest him. If they had arrested Muhammad Atta, who was one of the masterminds of the Second World Trade Center attack, 
engineered uh, on the orders of Osama bin Laden and Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Things might have been so different. And I was just a few blocks away. And I remember I was going to fly home that night because I wasn't going to leave Ron Kuby, whose mommy was a commie, alone on the broadcast because he would have alienated uh, the audience and pissed off the uh, advertisers and sponsors. And uh, remember, no ticky, no washy, no talky. You don't have advertising, especially this being commercial radio. You might as well go to a nearby park, uh, talk into a Dixie cup attached to another Dixie cup uh, in which a homeless guy or emotionally disturbed guy is mumbling. That's just the way this thing of ours is. No ticky, no washy, no talking. So all the flights were being canceled because there was heavy winds and heavy rains that were clobbering the Northeast at that point, which included uh, New York airports, uh, LaGuardia, JFK, and Newark airports, clobbering, clobbering Philadelphia's airport. And the only airport that was... Uh, Somewhat open was Ronald Reagan in Washington, D.C. So I ran all over the place. I didn't try to work the phones. I just ran to the desk. I I think it was a United Airlines flight, had two seats left. I said, look, uh, I'm just going to buy a ticket. I'm not even going to try to swap the ticket from one airline to another airline. That would take a month of Sundays. I'm just going to buy a whole brand new ticket. And back then, you could buy a one-way ticket. And I did. Flew into Ronald Reagan Airport. It was about uh, oh nine o'clock at night. Then caught a uh, taxi over to uh, Penn Station, which is uh, where the Amtrak station is, the last stop. And then took that last Amtrak uh, train home uh, of the night and arrived in New York's Penn Station at about oh, 4.30 in the morning. Walked upstairs, there was Ron Kuby, whose mommy was a commie, ready to do the morning show, thinking he might be doing it solo. Ha, ha, ha. Not this time. And I walked in, and we were doing a program, and there were no problems. A gorgeous, beautiful, very clear day outside. And then that first plane struck. That's when I came on the airs, and I, I said, I believe it's an act of terrorism. Based on what I saw last week at Bryan and Seneca, the latter company uh, of the fire department of New York that Eddie Brown was uh, attached to. I described some of what I had uh, seen and read. And our uh, program director, I called him at the time, Promise Keeper Program Director Phil Boyce came in and he said, if you say anything uh, more about it being an act of terrorism, I'll have to pull you off the air. I say, Phil, I can tell you it's an act of terrorism. He said, no, no, you can't say that. Moments later, that second plane smashed into the second tower, causing it uh, to uh, self-destruct. You know the rest of that history. And then we were on the air nonstop, no commercial breaks whatsoever until about 5 o'clock at night. And we were getting all kinds of rumors and innuendos that were being called in. Remember, at that time, there was no, uh, no real Internet. You had to depend on faxes. We were getting all misinformation. You know, there were car bombs uh, uh, being driven around uh, in Washington, D.C., outside the Pentagon, uh, uh, over at the Capitol building. Just a ton of misinformation. I remember uh, we were reporting on what callers were calling in about Patterson. 
on Main Street, South Main Street, they had noticed uh, at the uh, public library a number of uh, Palestinian kids had gone up there and were banging sticks on the uh, on the uh, railing that leads up into the library itself as they were looking at that plume in the distance of where the two World Trade Center towers had been, and they were no longer there. They had dissipated, but the plume was still there, and they were, like, uh, giggling and laughing and high-fiving, and then their elders came out and dragged them back into their houses. And so I remember that we had caller after caller reported on that very vividly, very cogently. Um, bottom line of the story is days later, believe it or not, a guy named Bob Grant, Bob Grant, not the king of talk radio, not my mentor, Bob Grant, who was the spokesperson for the city of Patterson, claimed that we were putting out misinformation. We were racist, Islamophobic, especially that Curtis Sliwa. Uh, and uh, at the time, it was a Republican mayor of Patterson, New Jersey, who eventually went to jail uh, for extracting money for sewer contracts. Uh, That's how Chris Christie always used to lure them into a trap because they were crooked, was over sewer contracts. Uh, Who is the name of the uh, black mayor at that time who ended up going to jail for corruption? In fact, he was so corrupt, when you went to his home, he had like a three-story home, in the basement, he had a pool with a waterfall, and the hookers would come over and uh, give him a good time uh, at taxpayers' expense, that crook. So who was the mayor at that time who obviously had goaded the spokesperson for the city, a guy named Bob Grant, ironically, to threaten me with a lawsuit, a major lawsuit? That would have cost me every nickel, dime, and penny that I had if they had won and persevered. But then they did a deep background check of my financial wherewithal and realized I had nothing. Like everyone else who has tried to sue me, Imam Wahaj Siraj, the leader of the mosque on Bedford Avenue or Fulton in Brooklyn, who was using it as a sanctuary for terrorists. He became a unindicted co-conspirator in that first World Trade Center ba- uh, blast that almost uh, completed uh, the mission, which was to topple the towers. And he was the person who uh, acted as the communicator for Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman, the evil one, the blind-eyed, Santa Claus hat-wearing imam of hate, leader of the Muslim Brotherhood. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget that. Imam Wahaj Suraj sued me for $6 million and lost. So that's why I always say, hey, want to line up? Get a ticket like you would at a bakery. Wait in line uh, for your opportunity to sue me. A bunch of knuckleheads are always claiming they're going to sue me. Uh, The latest is this uh, uh, guy, Mike Rendino, a GOP chairman in the Bronx, I'll sue you, he said on tape. I'll sue you. Meantime, you got no money. Hey, come on. Sue me. You'll lose. Even if I have to represent myself pro se. But I, I digress there. So I remember I was on MTV at the time. And the young people there, uh, they had stacked the deck. They were screaming that I'm an Islamophobe. 
because I had said that these young Palestinian kids had gone up to the public library on South Main Street in South Patterson and were banging sticks on the railing as they looked up at the plume that was hanging over where the World Trade Center both towers used to be. And yet I was vindicated. It was at that time that, um, remember, Donald Trump was claiming that he had seen what looked like Muslims and Arabic people celebrating in Jersey City, said he saw that on TV. Others said that they saw things similar on TV. And he even made reference to what I had said on the radio, which uh, was not correct. And that was one of the times that we were at each other's at each other's throats. In my 30 years before he became president, we had had a love-hate relationship. That was one of those times where he and I were on opposite sides completely. He was using me and what I had gone through on the radio with Ron Kuby, whose mommy is a commie, is back up to his contention that Arabic-speaking, Muslim-worshipping men were celebrating the... uh, Destruction of both towers of the World Trade Center in Jersey City. That they were doing that from uh, the waterfront, that they were doing that from uh, buildings, you know, the roofs of buildings, and he had seen it on TV. That proved not to be true. But caused a tremendous division between myself and Donald Trump. No doubt about that. Our number is 1 800 848 9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But when we come back, a tribute to a man's man who, uh, on the heels of hearing that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, the mayor of the illegal aliens, was trying to prevent pizza from being made in coal or wood-fired ovens, took matters into his own hands son of Staten Island, Scott Lebedo, and prove that one man or one woman can make a difference. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's another side of midnight. 77 WABC. Oofa! It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. To the break of dawn, nobody's going to sleep. Leonard Skinner, free bird, to the break of dawn.
dedicated to uh, Scott Lavedo because the other day outside of City Hall, he proved that one man, one woman can make a difference. I've always believed that all 69 years of my life, one man or one woman can make a difference. And so he strode up to the fence at City Hall. Opposite him, somewhere within the bowels of City Hall, was Mayor Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, styling and profiling with his $5,000 customized suit of the day, and acting like he was mayor, not of you and me, who he expects to pay for all of his illegal aliens coming in as he acts like Papa Chula. No, we have to pay the freight. We get ugats, we get pupkis. And he gets to feel like he is uh, the black Moses for the illegal alien invasion. And probably what is uh, most important is on that given day, the reports had come out that his EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, part of the city government, was prepared to fine heavily owners and operators of pizzerias, as Danny Aiello would say. Get your own pizzeria bug out. Uh, That uh, he would find them into the poorhouse if they were making pizza in coal and wooden burning ovens. Scott Lebedo arose and in his performance art way, Prove that one man could make a difference. The woke-ass idiots who run this city are doing everything in their power to destroy it. We have naked men with their titties bouncing around all over the city yesterday, in public, in front of children. We have the most violent, raging crime rate ever. We are being invaded by illegal immigrants who are being treated way better than our homeless veterans, our teachers, and first responder heroes who were fired, still not compensated, because they didn't take the Fauci injection. Our city schools produce the dumbest kids, and the woke-ass punks who run New York City are afraid of pizza? The world used to respect New Yorkers as tough, thick-skinned, and gritty. Now we have become pussified. It's a damn shame. You heard of the Boston Tea Party? Well, this is the Boston, New York, this is the New York pizza party. Give us pizza or give us death. 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 Destroying every small business. That's what this city keeps doing. Can't have a small business. Can't have pizza. New York City is nothing without pizza. He's so correct. New York City is nothing without pizza. And then he summarily started to separate slices of pizza in four separate boxes, a total of 48. Threw them over the fence at City Hall. Rats began to emerge out of the bushes and drag them down their subway rats right into the bowels of the number four, five, and six train there at the Brooklyn Bridge station. 
And Scott Lebedo was arrested and given a ticket, a disappearance ticket, as we call it, or the cops call it a desk appearance ticket. And that uh, announcement of his went viral all over the world. He stood up for the pizza eaters. Stood up. And in many instances, uh, he may not have known, although I met his father, a great guy, that pizza originally was the poor man's street food, sometimes around the 16th century. First spotted in Pompeii. That's right. Italian archaeologists digging in Pompeii uncovered a 2,000-year-old fresco featuring what looks remarkably like a modern-day pizza. And during the recent digs just down the road from the heart of Naples, Napolitano, they found what looked like a silver platter filled with fruit, spice, leaves, a goblet of wine, and the unmistakable shape of a round piece of dough coated in a reddish sauce toppings, all ringed in a border of crust. That was the origin of pizza, a poor man's street food sometimes around the 16th century Part of southern Italian lore, not really northern Italian lore at all. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Birthed as a poor dish of southern Italy. And as you know, the key ingredients in modern pizza is the tomatoes and mozzarella. But that didn't arrive in Italy until sometime around the 1500s. Remember, tomatoes were from the New World, the Western Hemisphere. And so I guess you could say technically the Pompeii fresco couldn't depict an actual pizza. Yeah, don't tell that to Scott Lebedo. Oh, no, don't tell that to Scott Lebedo because in many in many ways he reminded all of us collectively as we were listening that, like Mel Gibson in Braveheart, he too was advocating freedom. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? We will run. And we will live. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. I'm dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom freedom and remember at the end when they had him on the rack, the Brits, and they impaled him. Impaled him. In a great sense, uh, I got the feeling that Scott LaBeo was following in the footsteps of that great tradition. 
But civil disobedience did not come naturally to Scott Lebedo. He actually learned that from me many, many years ago. I'll never forget, I had just been arrested uh, for protesting cop-killing art, and that was at the Sailors and Soldiers Monument at Grand Army Plaza in Brooklyn, right across from the Brooklyn Public Library and Prospect Park. People were buzzing, talking about the fact that this artist from Chicago named Dred Scott, yeah, Dred Scott, he named himself, uh, a registered and uh, proud communist, American communist, he was a member of the American Communist Party, had created this work that was on display in the monument itself. Now, normally you'll be passing by that monument uh, which is dedicated to the soldiers and sailors who died in the Civil War. Normally, you'd be circling that monument or you walk through it and you would never think that anybody was inside of it. Well, there is a space, a crawl space, that is big enough to put an art exhibit in there. And as I went inside and the Parks Department was supervising it, now this was incredible because... Each parks department is somewhat independent and autonomous, although their funding comes from the city, but they have borough uh, parks departments. And at that time, the guy in Brooklyn was very radical, very liberal, was not a Giuliani appointee. He had just become mayor. And consequently, Guy Molinari, who uh, boosted uh, Rudy Giuliani into the mayoralty. He was a mayor maker because he was the mentor first for Rudy to run against Dinkins the first time where he lost, the second time when he run, when he uh, won. And then also the billionaire Michael Bloomberg, he mentored him. In fact, he had assigned a guy named Vinny, Mad- no, not Madunio, Vinny Lapadulo, who now works at uh, Chase Manhattan uh, under Jamie Dimon. Guess he is some kind of a suited function there. And I think now lives uh, out in Stamford, uh, Connecticut. Boy, he has gone uh, uh, right on up there, climbed up the corporate ladder. But his original job was to shape up, shape up Michael Bloomberg into a mayoral candidate because Michael Bloomberg sucked as a mayoral candidate. He got the money. But he was impervious to normal questions. He thought he was above it all. He thought he could buy anybody. And he didn't realize that his social skills sucked with average everyday people. He could not relate to them whatsoever. And I remember Vinny Lapadula really smacked him around, got him into shape uh, to become the mayor. Obviously, the number one reason he became mayor is the World Trade Center was successfully attacked a second time. And then people immediately said, we need a businessman. Whereas before that, it was Mark Green. Oh, we need him to reform the Board of Education, which Rudy Giuliani had said you could take depth charges to should explode it off the uh, map of downtown Brooklyn, 110 Livingston Street, because of all the patronage, because of all the cronyism there. Oh, those were interesting days. But you caused me to digress, Broadway Billy, uh, as I walked into the Sailor and Soldiers Monument at its base. Inside was Dred Scott, the communist uh, artist uh, from Chicago. He was looking at his work, which was accompanied by music from a boombox. 
and there were police officers in uniform who had their heads severed. It was obviously mannequins and where blood had been splashed on the wall to make it seem like they were victims of a drive-by shooting. And Dred Scott called this art. I said this was anti-police propaganda, and we should not have to allow a city monument to be a staging area for this art. I said, hey, you want to go out and get a private artsy-fartsy art gallery to display this cop-killing art in Park Slope where many people would have embraced it? You should have done that. Oh, it got very heated. And I remember Guy Molinari was there with a busload of veterans who were giving me tactical air support. And the police officer, who I just met recently at the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Park Slope, the annual one, was told that she had to make the collar because she was the rookie and that uh, she would have to put the cuffs on me, which she did. They took a picture of her. It was in the newspaper. She became the most famous cop out in the Rockaways, the Irish Riviera. Our numbers, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You're going to learn a lot if you listen to Curtis. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. song makes me opine for Lenny's, the famous pizzeria that was uh, right there in Bensonhurst underneath the 86th Street L, recently closed, featured in Saturday Night Live. That's where Tony, no, excuse me, Tony Manero. Tony Manero? Yeah, 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 Tony Manero. All right, I... That was his character in the movie, right, Tony Manero, right, right? Yeah, yeah, come on. Come on. You're looking at me like uh, my head is full of Swiss cheese here, Broadway Bill Lee. I'm talking about Travolta, his character, Saturday Night Fever. Remember he went to Lenny's and he took two slices and he put it together, right? And then they closed Lenny's and I did a video there. People were wrapped around the block one last time, and wow, hundreds of thousands of hits. Just so symbolic of what's happening in our city that these kind of iconic institutions, part of our culture, part of the fabric of the neighborhoods, is closed, went dark. Could have franchised it. It was that popular because of Saturday Night Fever, but chose not to. I think yeah, the daughter owned the business, and the father just chose, no, lights out. Big, big loss. But speaking of pizzerias, how can you forget the movie Do the Right Thing, one of the best of all times, featuring Danny Aiello. Obviously, Mookie was uh, Spike Lee who created it all. And was delivering the pizzas of Danny Aiello, one son who was a real ogre, a monster, and the other son who was able to get along with the African Americans from uh, Bed Stuy, Do or Die. But there was the one African American bug out, reminded me of Eric Adams, you know, black centric at that time, 
That's about 1988 that that movie was made, 89. And that uh, Eric Adams was totally into that black thing. Follow Farrakhan, the Nation of Islam. He reminds me now once again, just like Bug Out, because he has been bugging out of late. Hey, hey, Sal, how come you got the brothers on the wall here? You want brothers on the wall? Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. You can put your brothers and uncles and nieces and nephews, your stepfather, stepmother, whoever you want. See? But this is my pizzeria. American Italians on the wall only. Look, who got some brothers up on the wall, you know? Malcolm X, Nelson Mandela, you know, you know Michael Jordan. Tomorrow. Come on, get, get him out, all right? I'm trying to get him out. Pizzeria. Who the hell call it a pizzeria? Come on, Danny Aiello. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ed, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Ed. Yeah, this ban on coal-fired pizzerias is just a diversion story to uh, distract from the real story that uh, Eric Swalwell, Eric Adams, is uh, total incompetent and totally crazy. Now, you said, Ed... uh... Eric Swallow, what were you inferring with that? Well, you know, that guy's nuts, and so is the mayor. Hmm. So you believe it's a form of tricknology, diversion, that in fact we shouldn't be taking it that seriously? Come on. I mean, China and India put out so much sulfur from burning coal. That's the real problem. Coal-fired pizzerias, that's not the problem. Could it be part of uh, this racism that has emerged uh, on the part of uh, Eric Adams, whose back is to the wall on so many issues, he always plays the race card, and he's been joined by his brother in solidarity, the Queensboro president, Donovan Richards, who says... The way way he treated that Holocaust survivor woman, that 84-year-old woman... That was that was humiliating. Yes, yes, it was. In fact, she is an Upper West Side resident, not far from where I and uh, Nancy and our cats uh, live. I think I'll visit her, have a cup of coffee with her. But she stood up at a public meeting that was hosted by the mayor, town hall meeting in Washington Heights. It was her turn to be heard, and the mayor shut her down by basically calling her a plantation owner who had slaves And it turns out that this 84-year-old white Jewish woman had survived the Holocaust when her parents immediately left Germany just before they would have been taken prisoner and sent to an internment camp. And she was brought to uh, Manhattan as a baby. I mean, slavery ended during Lincoln's term. I mean, or, you know, two years after in Texas. But I don't know why anybody would bring up slavery well, it's just, back, it's just uh, back, he doesn't want to deal with the real problem. Backs to the wall, that's what they do, uh, especially when you got no answers for a lot of the problems that were self-created. But his friend, his brother in solidarity, is uh, uh, Queensboro President Donovan Richards. Uh, when he was city councilman, he's the one who uh, entered the legislation that would ban the coal and wood-fired ovens claiming it, reco- it it created way too much pollution, uh, a pollutant spewing cold and wood-fired pizzeria he wanted closed. Although it's interesting, like Eric Adams, 
he plays the race card. So he beat Elizabeth Crowley to become borough president. Both are Democrats. Uh, he beat her by the barest of margins. Uh, she is the uh, sister of Crooked Joe uh, Crowley, who was beat by AOC and sent into retirement from the Queens uh, Borough uh, Democratic uh, 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 chapter. You know, another thing, people think this as one fire in Canada. It's like 400 fires that are out of control. And, and why are we and nobody else helping them to put out the fires since obviously eventually the toxic air blows in our direction? Oh, no, no. I mean, a lot of U.S. firefighters are up there helping to, to fight the fires. But, you know, it's it's huge fire, you know. Ultimately, it's going to have to burn itself out and it's going to burn like, I don't know, 500 million trees it's just, it's just. Uh, well, you have to you have to look at not just the natural causes of fires, which are many, especially if uh, the wood uh, has not been exposed to uh, water in a long, long time. It's dry. It becomes like tinder. Uh, you have to believe that along the way there might be some natural fires in Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah uh, we didn't have any snow this winter. So I'm sure the forests are like tinderboxes. That, and then once the fires start, people watch them on TV, and that's when the pyromaniacs come out and play and set their own series of fires. But yeah. I want to uh, continue on with this racist Donovan Richards, this Greenboro president, who has called, called our very dear friend here at WABC um, a racist, uh, Rob Robert Holden. City Councilman, uh, Middle Village, Glendale, Maspeth, Animal Lever, extraordinaire, just always uh, doing constituent service. He's called him a racist, called Elizabeth Crowley, sister of Joe Crowley, a racist, even though he beat her by the barest of margins. So it would stand to reason why he was the guy who went out of his way to try to ban the uh, coal and wood fired up uh, ovens that make the pizza because this guy hates white people. There's no doubt about it. I mean, just like you saw with bug out in the pizzeria of Danny Aiello and do the right thing. Bug out was saying, how come there's no uh, Blacks up on the wall. Why are they all Italians? And as you heard, uh, Danny Aiello said, when you get enough money to get a uh, pizzeria, you can put up on the wall whoever you want. But it is an interesting point because now you go to pizzerias and you know who owns them. It's either Albanians or those who are from Montenegro. Uh, you can call them wannabe Italians because when you ask them, are you Albanian? Are you Montenegro? Uh, Montenegrin? They don't answer the question. They have the Italian boot up on the wall, probably inherited from the last owner that they bought it from. And they continue to make pizza, the old style that was developed in Naples so many decades ago as the meal 
of the poor man and poor woman. Check this out. On the weekend, Ufa. take a journey with the people's mayor. Curtis Lewa is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's another side of midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep, and neither does Curtis Lewa. On another side of midnight. Oh, yeah. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane, setting the mood for us to get very holistic, homeopathic, get into a form of meditative state that allows us to accept what may be conditions that we can reverse, such as my own anger management situation. Uh, Clearly, I think everybody would agree that Curtis Lewa has an enormous anger management problem. You give me beef and I bust your teeth. That's, that's what I live by. You step to me, I step right to you. And I smash that schnozola of yours right down your throat. Right? Uh, hey, look, I'm thoracic. I'm not very cerebric. I like to express myself by balling up my fist. 
and hitting you so hard that your mother will feel the vibration. So there is a school of thought out there that meditation and deep breathing, inhaling and exhaling is a way of relieving stress and tension. And also, it was part of the therapeutic uh, program that Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, went through in order to calm his anger management situations, which sometimes would rile up in public and cause him uh, a problem. That even his wartime consigliere, now home from prison, Joe Pococo, could not solve. And he always dreaded going to parades because somehow, some way, Curtis Sliwa would pop up and I would act like De Niro in The King of Comedy. Remember how De Niro was there with Jerry Lewis? Hey, Jerry, you don't know me anymore? Am I a person of no consequence? Hey, Jerry! And then all of a sudden, Jerry Lewis would look away, only ultimately to be kidnapped by Bobby De Niro who then forced him to sit in his makeshift, um, I guess you could call it garage or basement or living room, which he had set up like a full-scale studio. What a great movie, King of Comedy. I mean, one of the best of all time. But you caused me to digress here because this happens to be not necessarily a triggered Anger management situation, you know, like Sean Puff Daddy Combs went through, you know, where all of a sudden he was getting into a beef with a producer and he hit him with a bottle of Don Perignon imported champagne. And Morgenthau was the DA of Manhattan at that time, said, I tell you what, all you got to do is go for a few anger management classes and we will release you on your own recognizance. And he agreed. And what did it consist of? Inhale. Exhale, breathe deep, and just don't allow your mind to settle on whatever it is that's in front of you, because that'll probably enrage you. And so now all of a sudden, Sean Puff Daddy Combs, soon to be a billionaire, I don't know why, but he is, along with Andrew Evilized Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, King Cuomo I, have attributed their ability to remain cool, calm, and collected to deep breathing exercise. Now, I know there are a number of you, as you listen to White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane, who are engaging in Puff Puff Pass as we speak. And you're saying, well, of course, of course, Curtis, I am inhaling... And then exhaling, right? Isn't that a form of inhale, exhale, Yogi, Yogi Berra, Boo Boo Bear, uh, you know, in Jellystone National Park, isn't that? No, 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 wait a second. Boy, that must have been the effects of Puff Puff Fast. That was a strong hit, Broadway Bill Lee. I know you and your partner, Joe Corsi, over there at WCBS-FM during the week. Tell me you're not doing a little Puff Puff Fast in between sets. Don't lie. Let me get into my meditative state. 
I need my yogi music. No, 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 no. This is not Russell Simmons doing his yoga. God only knows how many women he uh, he publicly assaulted. He's always on the go. He denies that. I, I think it's all attributable to yoga. You know, you're bending women's legs in all kinds of weird positions as a yogi. They're exposing uh, their uh, areas below the uh, the navel. But they say that yogi, yoga, whatever, will somehow calm the savage beast. I find that incredulous to believe that somehow Curtis Lee was not going to want to rock your world by hitting you so hard that your mother would feel the vibrations. I find that extraordinarily different. Difficult to believe. But the mayor of the city of New York, with all the mishigash going on, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, mayor of the illegal aliens, not our mayor has decided to make this a priority at the Department of Education led by banks. DOE, the acronym stands for Dumbest Organization Everywhere. And once again, they prove to be dumb because now this is part of the curriculum, curriculum, what do I call it? Curriculum, curriculum, where young people in class will not have to get up and do the national anthem. Uh, or the Pledge of Allegiance. No, 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 no. They're going to have to get up and do Yum Yo Krom Ye Grow or whatever that uh, that uh, Hare Krishna thing was in which they inhale <gasps> and exhale. <clears throat> I don't think that'll necessarily work. I'm trying to imagine this. I'm trying so desperately broad way Billy and Avery are phone screener and nighttime producer to imagine this here it is you're in a classroom a normal public setting in a public school somewhere in New York City it's like a blackboard blackboard jungle forget Sidney Poitier he's not there any longer he's passed into the hereafter I guess the actor's uh, home so to speak somewhere in heaven But it is a blackboard jungle in the public schools of New York City, and you cannot even get the attention of a lot of these wayward youth. I'm being kind in the way I am describing them. But now Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, is telling the teachers as part of their planning lesson, they must incorporate two to five minutes of inhale and exhale. And it cannot be vaping, and it cannot be smoking a blunt or a split for a fatty or any of the above. You think this could work in a regular kind of a class? Do you think it could work? I don't know about that. I really don't know. So rising to the occasion, Professor Extraordinaire Eric Adams, who has bestowed himself with honors, the likes of which would have given him a master's degree or even a Ph.D. at this point, 
from Kingsboro Community College. Yes, out there near Manhattan Beach to Boricua Junior College in the heart of the South Bronx. I want you to listen to the mayor of the city of New York describe how important breathing is to the educational experience. Breathing calms your nervous system. It helps to center us and help us regain our sense of balance and focus. It's a valuable, low-cost tool that is proven to improve mental health and well-being. The mayor even was quoted as saying that during his campaign debates, two of which he had against me, he would actually focus on breathing in and breathing out and just try to ignore me. <laughs> Nobody gets to ignore me except my exes, right? <sighs> Nasty. Did I hear that again from guru Eric Adams? Swagger man with no plan. Pretty soon he'll be wearing a schmata. Somebody will wave a flag. Somebody will bang a drum. And he can start the cult of Eric Adams. Swagger man with no plan. Breathing calms your nervous system. It helps to center us and help us regain our sense of balance and focus. It's a valuable, low-cost tool that is proven to improve mental health and well-being. Mm. Yum, yum, crank me, Kirby, or whatever the Krishnas say. You know, I've traveled the great length of uh, the country of India, one of the most populated in the world, where Hindis are the majority and Muslims are the minority. And I've gone from Bombay to Madras to Poncherry. I've been to many ashrams where the monkeys are fornicating morning, noon, and night. And there are about 5,000 gods and goddesses on uh, view. Many of whom have elephant heads and 50,000 arms and feet and toes and fingers. Whether it's Ganesh or Vishnu, don't expect me to name all 4,000 of these gods and goddesses. But I can assure you that Eric Adams has bonded with the gurus of past and present. A man who suddenly has a lot of hair and looks like Maharashi Yogi, right? The head of Transcendental Meditation, who was assigned to the University of Iowa in Des Moines. And at that time, one of his disciples, a man named Howard Stern, from Freeport slash Roosevelt, Nassau County, Long Island went out there at his beck and call and was prepared to be swallowed up by the belly of the beast. Yum, yum, rengi, kill, whatever the hell they talk about. But a lot of people, they don't know how to properly breathe. They don't know how to inhale. They don't know how to exhale unless it's puff, puff, pass. If it's puff, puff, pass, they know damn well how to hit that point and inhale. <gasps> And after five minutes, say exhale. And it's stone to the bone. I want you all to follow after me. Listen to our guruess. Not Eric Adams, swagger man with no planner, would never subject you to that. 
but our female guru as she puts us through our paces. First breathing exercise or technique. Um, this one is really great. It's, it's nice because it helps it helps relieve stress, it helps relieve anxiety. They actually use it in the military for special ops missions to help relax the military folks before they go into battle or things that, that will get them really stressed out and anxious. So this is just either called um, box breathing or square breathing. And it's kind of like it sounds, you have to use a little bit of imagery with this. So even if you have to look at something that's a box, sometimes that helps with your breathing technique. But it's really simple. And so all you're gonna do is you're breathing in for four seconds, imagine you're going up the square, then you're gonna hold your breath for four seconds, then you're gonna breathe out for four seconds, and then you're gonna hold your breath again for four seconds. So you're really just making that square with that four seconds, breathing in, holding it, breathing out, and then holding it again. Hmm. Interesting. I want to get into my lotus yogi position here where I have both of my legs tucked behind my neck, putting my own body in a full Nelson with my legs. I'm like Gumby here. Don't get excited, Broadway Billy. I realize you and Joe Causey, you got a thing going on Monday through Fridays at WCBS-FM. But don't let your mind wander. one 800 Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm breathing. I'm breathing. I'm breathing in all the air. I'm inhaling the air of the toxins and poisons. My lungs are cleansing the air so that when I exhale my carbon dioxide... Through photosynthesis, a tree grow in Brooklyn will then devour all that carbon dioxide and absorb it into its own, sacrificing itself through every fiber of every leaf of every branch of the tree that grows in Brooklyn. <gasps> <sighs> Kids will never be able to take a Regents if they're doing that all day and all night, that's for sure. To the break of dawn. Nobody goes anywhere. Nobody slips off and catches some Z's. You must stay fully wide-awake and bushy-tailed and cognizant of what I say. Let's go to Mike in Nassau County. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. Hey, Curtis. Yes, Mike. I'm I'm back in the old hood in Nassau County. I was in uh, North Myrtle Beach. I relocated down there. Um, uh, you know, it's funny talking to Avery tomorrow. Well, actually today, the funniest hour, Mama Luke Radio. Uh, you know, uh, I was talking about Spike Lee. 
you know, Do the Right Thing, classic movie, Danny Aiello, uh, Pizzeria, Spike Lee, 40 Acres and a Mule. And he's still doing what he was doing, you know, but I can't stand the guy. Can't stand him at all. And the mayor of New York, you know, got no game plan at all. He dresses up. I said it on Dominic's show and Rita. Uh, you know, he's like, uh, he goes dancing and he's with Sharpton, the biggest racist in the country. And let me say something if I could, Curtis. I got, I got relatives in Italy. I've never been. My father's side, Sicilian. Okay. My cousin, Francesca, I messenger her all the time. Like your mom, mother, rest in peace. You know, her name. My mother, Nancy, just passed away uh, nine months ago. She was 90, a wonderful life. Everybody loves Raymond from Lindbrook. That's where mom is from. And my grandson, I said, I'm Rita's show. My daughter is 33. She's a teacher in Suffolk. Uh, she had a first child. I was in Florida. He's two years old. And what's his name? Your middle guy, Carter. So I've been listening, Curtis, to you for a while. Hmm. Trying to do my yoga here. Mike was just not in tune with the yoga thing. In my lotus position, with my legs wrapped around my head, giving myself a full Nelson with my my legs. I cannot stand to hear him recite my lineage. Because I'm trying to reach into my inner sanctums here. I'm trying to breathe correctly. Could that young lady instruct me one more time, please, as I have my lotus position here. Oh, God. This is titillating. This is exciting. This is thrilling. I don't know why I'm doing this, but... The mayor has said it'll calm me down. It'll give me fortitude, guidance. It'll allow me to no longer have attention deficit disorder. Breathing calms your nervous system. It helps to center us and help us regain our sense of balance and focus. It's a valuable, low-cost tool that is proven to improve mental health and well-being. Doesn't help me, Eric Adams. I need instruction on how to... <gasps> Inhale and exhale effectively. First breathing exercise or technique. Um, this one is really great. It's, it's nice because it helps, it helps relieve stress. It helps relieve anxiety. They actually use it in the military for special ops missions to help relax the military folks before they go into battle or things that, that will get them really stressed out and anxious. So this is just either called um, box breathing or square breathing. And it's kind of like it sounds, you have to use a little bit of imagery with this. So even if you have to look at something that's a box, sometimes that helps with your breathing technique. But it's really simple. And so all you're gonna do is you're breathing in for four seconds, imagining you're going up the square. Then you're gonna hold your breath for four seconds. Then you're gonna breathe out for four seconds. And then you're gonna hold Hold your breath again for four seconds. So you're really just making that square with that four seconds, breathing in, holding it, breathing out, and then holding it again. Making a square, is that like making a slice of Sicilian pizza? A square. 
And then, not for the love of money, not for the love of success, but for all your stress. This one-minute breathing sequence will help you relax your body, calm your mind, and regulate your nervous system. It's called 478 Breath, and it's super easy. To begin, sit nice and tall and close your eyes. Take a few easy breaths in and out through your nose, relaxing all the muscles of your face and shoulders. Then begin to inhale slowly through your nose for a count of four. Hold your breath for a count of seven and exhale through your mouth with pursed lips for a long, slow count of eight. Repeat this breath cycle four times and then come back to a normal breath, sitting quietly for just a few moments, letting yourself relax. Do this breath practice anytime you need a little help relaxing and you'll be amazed at how effective this breath is in helping you manage stress. Your breath stinks. You need to brush your teeth. Never mind uh, what breath can do for you. You need to keep your mouth shut. Don't inhale or exhale. Do that any, any, under any circumstance. You've ruined my flow. I was in such an organic state. I was in such a spiritualized state. I thought that maybe in this state, where my mind appeared to be departing, departing from my actual human body, that as I worked my way up to the pearly gates, St. Peter's, who has an eye only for the Irish, he really is prejudiced. He wants to take only the Irish in. He says, screw you, Sliwa. I wanted to be able to graduate. I wanted to be able to elevate. I wanted to be able to actually speak with some of the highest performing yogis in existence. But you ruined that, Broadway Billy. You ruined that. Selfish, selfish, selfish. This one-minute breathing sequence will help you relax your body, calm your mind, and regulate your nervous system. It's called 478 Breath, and it's super easy. To begin, sit nice and tall and close your eyes. Take a few easy breaths in and out through your nose, relaxing all the muscles of your face and shoulders. Then, begin to inhale slowly through your nose for a count of four. Hold your breath for a count of seven and exhale through your mouth with pursed lips for a long, slow count of eight. Repeat this breath cycle four times and then come back to a normal breath, sitting quietly for just a few moments, letting yourself relax. Do this breath practice anytime you need a little help relaxing and you'll be amazed at how effective this breath is in helping you manage stress. Schmuck putts, there's Canadian poisoned air out there. Eating away at my lungs. Puff, puff, pass, huh? Maui, wowie, Hindu Kush. It's the plant of the gods and goddesses, right? Isn't that what Comrade Bill de Blasio, part time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, said with his crooked wife, Charlene, when they were doing Puff, Puff, Pass on the back porch of Gracie Mansion at night? God, I can feel it. I feel the spirit of the spirit is entangled into me. I can feel the spirit, mind, body, and soul as I breathe deep. And immediately I feel as if I've emerged into a public school anywhere in the five boroughs in a bulletproof body condom. Yes, 
and a gun that shoots blanks. Biden say I shoot blanks, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This is Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. No time to sleep. You can't fade away. You got to stick with me to the break of dawn. Edwin Starr, fabulous. Let's go to Bobby in New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here on WABC, Bobby. Curtis, good morning, buddy. Um, 
goes from retired fire captain, Jersey City. Uh, this haze we have, you know, Curtis growing up in the 80s and 90s, I just remember PJP landfill on Route 440 under the Pulaski Skyway. It burns. There's underground fires burn for like 50 years. Curtis, it was like that every day over there, you know, toxic super fun site. It was, you know, now it's a shipping time, uh, a trucking terminal, but back in the day, it was par for the course. Just, you know, and if you didn't do the right thing, they would send you down there on the watch line. And uh, if uh, memory does not recede uh, me uh, mm-hmm. in a oil drum, possibly somewhere deep within the recesses of that area, could there have been the remains of Jimmy Hoffa? Uh, there was a lot of guys over there, Curtis. That's the dumping ground. But, Curtis, I know you don't like to talk about yourself, but, Curtis, what's the story? You uh, got the news, daily newspaper award that you went to the White House. You, you rescued people in a fire in Brooklyn when you're on your route. Can you can you tell me a little bit about that, please? Sure. Um, in the mornings, I would deliver the daily news. I had 182 Sundays, 168 daily. So it was a large route. Jeez. And uh, I had to go over to the location where the bundles of newspapers were dropped off by the truck drivers, the Daily News truck drivers. It was at the, they called it the Harder House. It was a little empty storefront. And the newsboys, we'd go over there, we'd get our loaves of newspaper, we'd break it down. We'd uh, we'd sort of wrap uh, the papers in uh, rubber bands put them in the baskets of our big Chief Schwinn bicycles and then ride around in the streets tossing the newspapers, trying not to smash it into the door because that might wake somebody up and then you wouldn't uh, get paid on Friday. You wouldn't get a tip and you basically have to suck it up because you were like a small little business guy. And on one morning, I think it was um, uh, in the winter, it was very cold. Uh, down the block, because this was at a time where a lot of the houses that weren't uh, built as new subdivisions were just old and all wood. And it sounded like somebody was pounding from the inside on the door, like they were trying to get out. And so I ran down to the uh, house there on the corner. There was now smoke I could see pouring from the rooftop into the air. I had my dog with me. It was part Great Dane, part German Shepherd. Uh, I decided I was going to try to get in and see what was going on. And the banging on the door was actually from the heat expanding from the fire, and it ended up blowing the door right off the hinges. The black smoke came pouring out. The door just missed me. But my dog, who would have followed me into hell and back, ran all the way back to the house. So, (laughs) So I ran inside, and I had to make five different trips and grab people and drag them out because my father had told me long before that, hey, if you're ever in a fire kit, don't stand up, uh, suck uh, the ground, because if there's any air inside, it's going to be on the ground. The higher you go, the less air the smoke will get you Mm -hmm. before the fire does. And so I slowly dragged people out, and then when I went back in one last time, there was an elderly person, and they were sitting on the bed. They had set themselves on fire. I guess they were committing suicide. They were emotionally disturbed. And they looked like a candle that had melted. And, and I'll never forget that. And then I was sort of like in a trance-like state. I walked outside in the street, picked the rest of my newspapers up, continued to go on my route, <laughs> all, all basically on like a, a robot. 
I went mm. home. My face was all black from the smoke. My mother said, what happened? You smell you smell all like a fire, like all smoky. And then uh, neighbors had said, oh, your son ran into this burning building and uh, took out the neighbors. The dog was hiding in the yard in the doghouse, shaking. And then some fire marshals came over because they had described me, the neighbors. And uh, that's how I got recognized by the Daily News was nominated for Newspaper Boy of the Year. It was a regional contest, so they brought all the different mm-hmm. newspaper boys in to uh, Washington where Richard Nixon was signing a proclamation and giving each a cheap pen and a tie clip. I remember we queued up to get mm-hmm. our cheap pen and a tie clip. Uh, we were told, don't ask any questions. Just shake the president's hand. He's got a busy schedule. And just walk out the side corridor with your sponsor. Well, you know me. You tell me not to ask a question. I said, Mr. President, you said uh, when you were elected, you were going to end the war in Vietnam. The war is now raging worse than ever before. He did not disrespect me, but one of his aides came over to uh, the guy who brought me from New York City from the Daily News. And he said, you better get the kid out of here. And so they hustled me out. Uh, I told him, I don't want the cheap pen and tie clip. We took the uh, Eastern Airlines shuttle back to New York, and this poor guy who lived somewhere in Westchester was imagining that he was going to lose his house, his wife, his kids. He was going to get fired by the Daily News. But luckily, he didn't uh, get negatively impacted. They put a full-page ad in, you know, Newspaper Boy of the Year, courtesy of me shaking uh, Richard Nixon's hands. I had had a a pencil in my ear, they airbrushed that out. And so that's how that all occurred. How old were you, man? Uh, I think I was 15. Oh, man, that's an awesome story. I never heard that. That's great, Curtis. Yeah, well, uh, to be honest with you, (laughs) then to show you what wise guys my cousins were, uh, they sat me down. You know, this was weeks later. We were at a family event, and they looked at me, and they said, it's, come on, Curtis. Come on, Stray. You, you, you set that building on fire, didn't you? <laughs> I said, what the hell are you talking about? Come on. Yeah, you, you, you set the building on fire, didn't you? Come on, Curtis. Because they were such uh-huh. freaking morons that my, my, my uncle had to rip me around the larynx of my one cousin, uh, Jimmy, at that time, I was ready to strangle the life out of him, and then I was banned from that house. I was kicked out, not his son. I was kicked out. Hey, Curtis, what was the, so that was it for the firefighting? You never aspired to be a kid on the job after that? Or no, 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 no. I never wanted to be a firefighter. <laughs> I never wanted to be a cop. I just wanted to be left alone. That's it. All yeah. right, Curtis. Just leave you, me alone in my misery. Thank you, Curtis. Good night, brother. You're welcome. You're like that cousin of mine, Jimmy. Come on, be honest. You you, you torched that house, didn't you? Maybe that's something you would do, you gavon. And then I, I had my pythons around his neck. My uncle came, he extricated me, he said, never come to this house again. I see, you know what your son accused me of? Uh, no, my son is a little onyoic. He would never do anything wrong. I, I, I should kick your ass right here.
this one-minute breathing sequence will help you relax your body, oh, calm your mind, right. and regulate right. your yeah, nervous yeah. system. It's called 478 Breath, and it's super easy. To begin, mm. sit nice and tall and close your eyes. Okay. Take a few easy breaths in and out through your nose, relaxing all the muscles of your face and shoulders. Then begin to inhale slowly through your nose for a count of four. Hold your breath for a count of seven and exhale through your mouth with pursed lips for a long, slow count of eight. Repeat this breath cycle four times, and then come back to a normal breath, sitting quietly for just a few moments, letting yourself relax. Do this breath practice anytime you need a little help relaxing, and you'll be amazed at how effective this breath is in helping you manage stress. Now, is he talking about puff, puff, pass? Vaping, you know, inhaling the vape. (laughs) Is that what he meant? I don't think so. Anger man, you know how many, you know how often I have to do that? I remember I was... uh, in uh, Jungle Jenny's class, she's walking around PS114, right? And what are you writing down, Curtis, on that composition paper? I didn't ask anybody to write anything yet. I didn't even give you the concept for a composition. I said, no, no, it's okay. I like to take little notes. What are the notes? Let me see your notes. Jungle Jenny Wilson, you wouldn't be interested. I want to see your notes. And then she took the loose-leaf paper. I noticed that I had put 10 names down of people that I wanted to kill. And every day I would have a list of the people that I wanted to kill. I wanted dead on arrival. And they didn't have the term anger management problem back then. They just said, this guy's off his rocker. He's nuts. He's a bots. He's stitched. Do you think that exercise would have worked at that moment? Do you think at that very moment when Jungle Jenny Wilson said to me, you better go to the dean's office, that if only I had inhaled and exhaled. I can't breathe in this thing. Maybe smoking a Marlboro Red. What do you think? Soft pack or hard pack? What do you think? You know, you, you put the hard pack underneath your, your your black T-shirt. You know, it looked like a muscle shirt. Looked like a tough guy, huh? Give me my Marlboro Red, huh? Ooh, Marlboro Red. Is that a hard pack or is that a soft pack? Soft packs were for weak ones, right? No, it's a hard pack. And I'm inhaling. <gasps> I'm exhaling. But the nicotine would make you psycho, right? You'd have that nicotine in you. It was like stimulating. It was like uh, caffeine. But I need to do the Eric Adams exercises right now, Broadway Billy. Inhale, puff, puff, pass. Exhale. Inhale, puff, puff, pass. Exhale. I need my music. I need my yogi music. Yogi bear, boo-boo bear. Breathing calms your nervous system. 
It helps to center us and help us regain our sense of balance and focus. It's a valuable, low-cost tool that is proven to improve mental health and well-being. Low-cost to who, Eric Adams, huh? You seem to have found the money for $5,000 customized suits every day. You're the one who said Bitcoin, crime coin. You're the one who said you were going to get paid that way. And it turns out you had three paychecks over two-week cycles, six weeks, and now no more Bitcoin. Am I angry? You're damn right I'm angry. Because I could have been mayor. You think this city would be in this kind of mess? What? What? What, Grasshopper? I should play a little... No. A little flute. And then just do breathing exercises and these demons will go away. You promise, you promise, Grasshopper. You're playing your little freaking recorder that we all had to play in second grade. Remember, we'd be playing this stupid recorder. And we'd have the notes in front of us, the, the notes. We didn't know what the music was. Play the recorder and shut up. And I hated the recorder. I hated that. To me, maybe one day, one day, you'll be playing a wood, a wood, or maybe a horn. You'll be in the band. You'll be in the orchestra. No, I won't. And it just created a surge of anger in me. I don't care how often I had inhaled and exhaled there was no way that it was going to remedy me first breathing exercise or technique um this one is really great it's it's nice because it helps it helps relieve stress it helps relieve anxiety they actually use it in the military for special ops missions to help relax the military folks before they go into battle or things that that will get them really stressed out and anxious so this is just either called um, box breathing or square breathing and it's kind of like it sounds you have to use a little bit of imagery with this so even if you have to look at something that's a box sometimes that helps with your breathing technique but it's really simple and so all you're gonna do is you're breathing in for four seconds imagine you're going up the square then you're gonna hold your breath for four seconds then you're gonna breathe out for four seconds and then you're gonna hold your breath again for four seconds so you're really just making that square with that four seconds breathing in holding it breathing out and then holding it again will it work will it resolve my severe Anger management issues. It's another side of midnight. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. I need to be calm. I need to be restive. I need to be in Cali, Cali. So many flee to Colorado, to Arizona, to Montana, to Wyoming, anywhere but California. I need to know that I can be in California, up in the Sierra Madre Mountains, and I could stare out into the Pacific Ocean and know that that would have a healing and calming effect on me. Oh, yes. 
the mamas and the papas, Mama Cass, we were told, oh no, Mama Cass has passed away mysteriously. Remember the mamas and the papas featured on the Ed Sullivan show? We saw them. Then we learned that Mama Cass had eaten a sandwich, tried to eat too much of it too fast, and it had clogged her esophagus, and unfortunately she passed in the hereafter. That was damnation. That was a signal from God. That was the Spirit telling us that it was time to pack your bags and leave what was paradise, California. Now it's littered with tents and all kinds of makeshift facilities for the endless number of homeless, the dope fiends, guys shooting up, the dope dealers, guys released from Folsom, San Quentin, enemies of society, people who are out on bail who've never been brought back into custody. And it's no longer peace, love, and happiness, the mamas and the pompas. Ever since Mama Cass ate that peanut butter and jelly sandwich and choked on her own vomit and passed into folklore heaven. Oh, God. Oh, God. My anger, my anger is seething over. It possesses me. It has me in its grip, and it won't let it go. It won't let go. Anger, I reject you, but you have infected every pore of my body. is a politician who says don't trust politicians. It's Another Side of Midnight with Curtis Lewa. The iconic, the legendary Curtis Lewa. This city doesn't sleep and neither does Curtis Lewa on Another Side of Midnight. Oh yeah. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC. Here's Curtis Lewa. You know, I feel Broadway Bill Lee on loan from WCBS-FM where they've extricated you from your partner, Bill Causey, during the week to be here with all of us on the weekend along with uh, Avery, uh, telephone uh, answerer and uh, screener and our nighttime producer who has worked, I will not say slavishly because I'll be considered a racist then, but has... Worked round the clock in dicing and slicing 
20 hours of Frank Morano, the Mama Luke on the worst side of the other side of midnight, his nationally syndicated show Monday through Fridays from 1 to 5. And in 24 hours, you will be listening to the funniest hour in all of radio as a result of uh, Avery's work. But the reason that I want to talk about the Yankees and the Mets is that this is a Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular. And it's quite cathartic for me. I have seen that on the chopping block at ESPN, the television side of it, 20 people have had their heads chopped off. I mean, a bloody execution at Bristol. And you know something, Bill Lee, I still have it in for the Bristol boys. Because, you know, there was the uh, time there, it was Saturday mornings, and he, I was doing Monday through Friday at WABC Talk Radio, and then Saturday mornings following uh, your friend, your shuffleboard partner, down in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. Your condo is on one side, his condo is on the other side. The great Warner Wolf was doing mornings 6 to 10 at ESPN Radio. And then I followed him from 10 to 12. Let's go to the videotape. Exactly. He would say that on the radio. He sounded like a stunard. By the way, uh, I don't know if you were ever there. What was it, Channel 2 or Channel 5? When uh, Warner Wolf was doing his sports broadcast, was always spot on. And his false choppers fell out. Remember? They fell right out of his mouth. Did he forget his polygrip that day? What happened? But anyway. Let's go to the videotape. No, no. There's no videotape on radio. So, uh, Warner Wolf was doing Saturday morning, 6 to 10. I was doing 10 to 12. Yankee Mets talk because it was during the baseball season, right? ESPN now has whacked 20 of their people on television because they say they have to cut costs at Bristol. Well, you know why Bristol fired me? It wasn't to save any money. But they basically called up the general manager of the station, Tim McCarthy, and they said, Tim, you like your family, right? You don't believe in birth control there in the Irish Riviera, Pearl River, and Rockland. So if you like your children, you like feeding them, you like sending them to school, you're going to do one single thing. And he said, what's that? Fire Curtis Lee now. Fire him now. And he said, why? The ratings are great. He knows all about the Mets and the Yankees. He hates the Mets. He loves the Yankees. The fans, they can't get enough of that. In fact, we're actually doing better with Warner Wolf 6-10 and Curtis Lee with 10-12 on Saturdays than the fan is doing. You think that inch them forward? No. We want him fired. He's making fun of the baseball commissioner at that time, Bud Selig, with the worst rug you ever saw on any guy's head. And he had the high-water pants that looked like he had survived the floods of the Missouri River or the Mississippi River. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. The guy was the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers. And they made him baseball commissioner in the steroid era when Mark McGuire was putting the cream on, remember? The cream. With all the acne he had on his shoulders. Hey, what do you think he had the acne from? 
And then slamming Sammy Sosa of the Chicago Cubs, who right now, Broadway Billy and Avery, is whiter than me. He's the whitest black man ever. I mean, whiter than Michael Jackson. I mean, this guy lives in Clorox Bleach. I remember they were slamming him out of the park. I think slamming Sammy Sosa had 66. Mark McGuire had like 71, 72. It was all because of roids. And then remember A-Roid, a.k.a. A-Rod, said, oh, I don't use roids. Not at all. And who represented him before Major League Baseball in court? Joseph Tapioca had. Takapina. You know, friends with Sid Rosenberg, uh, who gets a lifetime pass because they all went, what was that, to... uh, what was that name of that school again? Oh, yeah, it's so privileged. Right underneath the Verrazano Bridge, right across the street from the, uh, oh, right across the street from the Veterans Hospital, Poly Prep Day School, dancing and prancing along, Joe Tacopina. Arthur Idala and Sid Rosenberg. What were they, singing nursery rhymes? How did they get $60,000 a year to go there? You know that Idala and Tapioca had, Takabina had a mob scholarship. This way they could become lawyers and they were indebted to the mob. But Sid, a Jew in polyprep day school? I don't get that. I don't get that. So both of them have polyprep immunity. Joseph Tapioca had, a.k.a. Takabina and Arthur Idala. Oh, I've been down to the subway. It's so much better. Don't you find that? Shut up. Stay in your lane. What the hell are you talking about? The subways are so much better. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Great Poupon boy, he goes into the subways, right? Get out of here. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, the reason that I am playing this song. I heard maybe the dumbest sports announcement of many dumb sports announcements that I've heard in my lifetime. It was at the Yankee game, an away game at Oakland Athletic Stadium, which is in the east side of Oakland. It is a stadium that was not built for baseball, but look, championships have been won there. I think uh, three straight by Charlie Finley, 72, 73, 74. With Vita Blue, Catfish Hunter, I remember like it was yesterday. Reggie Jackson, Joe Rudy, Sal Bando, Raleigh Fingers. And, of course, what was the name of Charlie Finley's mule that he took everywhere? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But you would have thought that the other morning, and it was in the wee hours of the morning if you were on the East Coast, that the Yankees and uh, its starting pitcher, Domingo Germain, had accomplished one of the greatest pitching feats of all time. Grounded to third.
No, we won't. <laughs> we will not always remember where we were June 28th. That was like 2 o'clock in the morning, East Coast time. By the way, it was against the Oakland A's who are like what? Trying to, uh, trying to do the analytics real quick. They're like 21 and 61. They're so far down with baseman Bertha. They might as well be a single A minor league team assigned to the Florida League. They could probably compete against the Staten Island Ferry Hawks of John Katsimatidis, right? And uh, maybe holding their own there. I mean, it's a horrible team. So we're celebrating. Oh, and where are you going to remember where you were? No, you will not. Now, would you remember Don Larson's first perfect game for the Yankees? 56. I'll remember it. Not that I was there. But we've seen the video footage over and over again of Yogi Berra catching the last pitch, running out to the mound, and jumping in Don Larson's arms. Never forget that. Will you remember David Wells' perfect game in 1998? I won't. Um, To me, Wells is like medze medze, poco poco. He's a big mouth, big bully. Remember how he got his tooth knocked out when he was... uh, what was that? At that diner restaurant uh, near York Avenue, First Avenue on the Upper East Side near 86. Uh, it was after he was out at the gin mill all night and some uh, Mama Luke from uh, Yonkers. You know, about the size of Frank Morano knocked his tooth out. Remember that? Right, right, Billy? See, it's a courtesy with Super Sports Spectacular. I know my sports. By the way, what was the name of that Mama Luke? one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. who knocked out the tooth of David Wells, who wanted to be Ruthian, wanted to be just like Babe Ruth. In fact, wanted to wear his cap just like Babe Ruth. Now, my wife, Nancy, on the other hand, loved David Wells. She was a Wells fan. She went and she saw that perfect game in Yankee Stadium in 1998. And son of a gun, if she wasn't in the stands, the very next year for David Cohn, Coney's perfect game in 1999. But can I hear that again, Domingo German? I want to hear this rookie broadcaster. Where was Michael K? Oh, my God. Where were you? You'll remember it uh, for all time. No, we won't. No, we won't. Grounded to third. Only if you were in jail will you remember. Come on. What were there, two people listening to this broadcast? Where was Michael K? That's what I want to know. What I will remember, though, Broadway Bill Lee, and he's like us, he's veterans, not like Avery, a young little whippersnapper, you know, JV. No, no, this guy has earned his stripes. He broke in to talk radio, sports talk radio at the old WMCA. The uh, stir that uh, stirred the drink there was definitely the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, in the afternoons. Following him was John Sterling at that time, who was a Bob Grant sound alike in sports. Oh, yeah. 
before he started doing puff, puff, pass and started to mellow out John Sterling. But anyway, recently above the Green Monster in Fenway Park, where the sign Sitgo flies high in the sky, subsidized, remember, by Hugo Chavez, now Maduro. But Joseph Kennedy III, the congressman, lied to all Americans, said that he was an unpaid spokesperson for Sitco because uh, under Hugo Chavez, Hugo Chavez, they were delivering home heating fuel oil for poor families and not charging anything. And he was indebted to him. Meantime, this idiot goes all the way to the Vatican, Joseph Kennedy III, named after the patriarch, right? And after being married to the same woman for 18 years, having three kids, he filed for an annulment, he paid for an annulment, and the Catholic Church made it seem like, oh, no problem, you were never married. You're not married. How could you you not have been married? The same woman for 18 years, three kids later, Joseph Kennedy III, Sickle fan, Tony and Lackey, of the, at that time, Hugo Chavez. Unbelievable. And I remember I was doing a syndicated program at the time. One of my affiliates was the FM station talker in Boston. And Broadway Billy, I asked people to burn down the Sitco sign, which was owned, Sitco, lock, stock, and barrel by Hugo Chavez. One of them actually did try to burn it down. I would have applauded them. I would have taken up a fund for them. I wouldn't have cared anything to get get Gaddafi, as uh, as the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, would say. No, no, no. I think from now on, it's going to be to get. <laughs> oh, yeah. To get. Arthur Idala. <laughs> Our numbers, one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. But let me nominate for the Radio and TV Hall of Fame. Our fellow colleague John Sterling, who for many years has been a broadcaster extraordinaire of hockey, of baseball, and other sports. But his claim to fame was that he did a talk show host and was a Bob Grant sounder-like when it came to sports at the old WMCA. Who owned it? Strauss Communications. Yeah, Peter Strauss. Who it turned out was the stepfather of Monica Lewinsky, who was being snacked on as an intern at the White House by, yep, Bill, I got ants in my pants and I need to dance Clinton. And when he was asked, what did you think of the president of the United States bringing your stepdaughter on as an intern and then fornicating and copulating with him? And do you know what our Peter Strauss said, Broadway Billy, instead of I'll wring his neck, I'll kill him the next time I see him. I don't care how many Secret Service agents are surrounding him. No, no, no. Our Peter Strauss, former owner of the number one News talk station in New York City, WMCA, which had on Barry Gray, which had on Bob Grant, and had on a Bob Grant-sounding sports guy taking calls. His name was John Sterling before he started doing Puff Puff Pass. I want to give a tribute to John Sterling, a man's man. Up the belt. Now the... 
three two swung on a pop foul back here. Ow. 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a three two. Look at that. He took a lick in and came back ticking. At the belt. And now the three two swung on a pop foul back here. Ow. Yes. Let me tell you something. He should be up for an ESPY award. ESPN, an ESPY award. Will there be anyone left at ESPN to get ESPY awards? They whacked 20 today alone. And they said there are more on the chopping block. These are not the persons behind the cameras. These are the people who read the teleprompter and give you the sports news. I don't know if there's an original thought in anyone at this point, they're probably stunned like everybody else is. That's 20 people out of your stable that you're whacking. There's a lot of blood, a lot of bloodshed there, but I digress. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I'm sitting here. I've got the uh, trophy for the winner of the Bronx uh, section. Still to be determined in ranked choice voting, George Havanagh versus Chrissy Amoramato, who is the uh, daughter of Mike Grandino, the GOP county chairman. Boy, that's a real bloodbath. But that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about politics. We're doing a courtesy with Super Sports Spectacular. And I want to pay tribute to a man's man, John Sterling, who who could own and occupy any chair of any seat of any sports show in America. And then, of course, there was a venerable great, holy cow, Phil Rizzuto. Earlier today, I met uh, a couple, a uh, mother and father who were married and whose kids had moved out of the nest, and we were discussing all the different places they've moved. Oh, God. And we were talking about Phil Rizzuto. Remember, Phil Rizzuto had alligator arms. He was a real, uh, let's just say he threw nickels around like manhole covers. He was not going to be kicking in any fossils. Nope. That wasn't his thing. But I will tell you... uh, God, I will tell you that this guy was the greatest dysfunctional broadcaster of all time. How many times, Broadway Billy, how many times, Avery, did he make you seem to feel by painting a picture that somebody hit a home run who hadn't hit a home run? Like this time. 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 Like this oh, time. Now, a drive to deep left center, and that ball is out of here. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No? What happened? He caught it? You've you got to be kidding. I know i got to get these glasses changed. Steve is short, and I didn't believe him. Oh, i got to see that again before I declare it. Now, look at Stanley looking back. I'm doing the same thing. Watch this. Here he goes. He's... 
son of a gun hit the fence and held on. At the end of seven, it's the Yankees four and the Orioles two. Now, that was the great Phil Rizzuto. As I mentioned to this uh, husband and wife, I said, where'd you go to high school? They said, Richmond Hill. I said, you remember Phil Rizzuto, the baseball field? Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, the Sikhs over there, the folks from Guyana living near, uh, British Guyana living near Linden Boulevard, they they don't know who Phil Rizzuto was, but but they knew. The two, the two, the couple that I spoke with, they knew who Rich, they knew who Phil Rizzuto was. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. I need to hear that again. That was classic Phil Rizzuto. He could make it seem like with the crack of the bat, the ball was going over the right field wall at Yankee Stadium, and it turned out to be an infield fly rule, automatic out. And Phil Rizzuto would be so bamboozled. Oh, now a drive to deep left center, and that ball is out of here. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No? What happened? He caught it? You, you gotta be kidding. I know I gotta get these glasses changed. Steve is short and I didn't believe him. Oh, I gotta see that again before I declare it. Now look at Stanley looking back. I'm doing the same thing. Watch this. Here he goes. Steve, son of a gun, hit the fence and held on. At the end of seven, it's the Yankees four and the Orioles two. Hmm. The best. The best. 1-800-848-9222. It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. Beat the Mets, beat the Mets. Come on out and beat the Mets. Bring your kids, oh bring your wife. Are they getting beat? First off, uh, as much as I hate the Mets and hate the Met owner Steve Cohen, who should be in jail for white-collar crime inside of trading information, except his number six, number two guy took the rap from uh, uh, Preet. Yeah, Preet, U.S. Attorney for the Southern District. Could have had the big guy, could have had the whale, but he settled on the second guy, Preet Bahari. Anyway, look, uh, Verlander, Schwerzer, excellent pitchers. They've been so their yeah, whole career. And when Verlander on the Mets' nightmare start says, I don't think anybody saw this coming. They didn't. They didn't. Look, Steve Cohen had spent all the money. And you know what happened? And they still don't realize this, Broadway, Billy and Avery. The curse of the drag queen is upon them, George Santos, who was in court earlier on Friday, he made a video at the start of their season. First home game at City, City Field, in which he professed love and adulation to the Mets, claimed he was a tried-and-true Mets fan. He was wearing his throwback Mike Piazza jersey. Of course it would be Mike Piazza as a drag queen. And this is what he had to say that has rung in the ears and the ear canal of every Met fan in the tri-state area and beyond. Hey guys, today is opening day. As a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home, but in good old fashion, let's go Mets! 
That was the curse. That was the Mama Luke. You haven't been able to survive it since, Met fans. And um, your owner-operator, Steve Cohen, white-collar criminal, should have gone to jail, but basically got him a get-out-of-jail uh, pass uh, by whining, dining, and pocket-lining every uh, elected official or those running for office who are Democrat or Republican. He's an equal-opportunity briber. But anyway, let's get back on track. So uh, what um, Steve Cohen has done is he is using every available tool to try to get a casino, a fully all-purpose casino. There are two licenses downstate. One is expected to go to the Racino In Aqueduct is the hotel there, building the convention center. you got the racetrack, which is subsidized by the purses that are provided by the track, the Racino at Aqueduct. And uh, there are bigger and better things planned for it. And I think the owners and operators, Genting from Malaysia, will get a sweetheart deal because they have provided a lot of lucre, a lot of fossils to the state. But I want you to listen to Steve Cohen because he had a summit. He wanted to give you a state of the New York Mets. No major surprises. He wasn't being a George Steinbrenner firing uh, Buck Walter. Now, just to bring him back uh, in a few months, just to fire him again and bring him back. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to remain cool, calm, and collected. I watch every game. I see what's going on. Um... And, um, you know, I mean, if you ask me, you know, would I have expected us to be in this position at the beginning of the season, the answer is no. But here we are, and, you know, hopefully we can right the ship. And, and uh, listen, we have quality players. Uh, for some reason or another, they're not yelling. When we pitch well, we don't hit. When we hit, we don't pitch well. Um, it's it's kind of weird. I mean, it's actually very strange to me. And I don't know if the players are anxious. Um, I don't know if they're pressing. I mean, I assume that there's a, that's a little bit of that. We see a lot of mental errors that what I call enforced errors. I, you know, obviously we can clean that up. Um, we've lost games because of it. And you know, there's nobody to blame. And it's really across the whole team. We know we're capable of doing it. And now we've got to string it together. And, you know, the problem is, you know, we're really at, you know, close to half the season. And so we don't have as much luxury of time as, as we have before. We still have time. The season's not over. I'm preparing my management team for all possibilities. You know, if we don't get better, you know, we have decisions to make at the trade deadline. And um, that's not my preferred end result. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing all contingencies. It's on the players, right? I mean. They're veterans. They've been there before. You know, I think they're you know, players that have done it, and we'll see if they can get their act together and, and string together some wins. Mm. Let's go, Mets! That's why. That's why. You, you, he says he can't understand it. He's perplexed. Come on. There's no other reason, Stephen Cohen. This guy... George Santos, who lied every moment from birth, has claimed that he is a lifetime New York Mets fan with the throwback Mike Piazza Italian Stallion uh, jersey. 
Let's go Mets. You really think that he's a Mets fan? No, no, no. He just he wants to be cool. He wants to be hip. He wants to be happening. So what you do with the mega millions of money that you made in insider trading information that should have put you in jail, Steve Cohen, is you bribe George Santos. You tell him, I don't want you to mention the Mets again. I want you to mention another team. And before that, you want him to totally disregard anything involving the Mets and to have it in writing and then let a... A witch, burn it. Hard for me to believe. Anyway, if you really want to have an attraction, Steve Cohen, you got to go back to the ghost of Casey Stingle. Remember Casey Stingle, who had been so magnificent for the New York Yankees? How the hell he became the manager of the New York Yankees is beyond me. He was considered a buffoon always complaining he wasn't paid enough, holding out in the offseason. I have no idea why the Yankees hired him. It makes no sense. And uh, in the case of uh, what happened, (laughs) try to figure out what Casey Stengel is saying here. After winning so many championships with the Yankees, he finished out his career as manager of the Mets, starting with the opening day, 1962, at the Polo Grounds. Say another thing about it. They're sticking with us. We've got them from the babies up. As soon as the kid can talk, he start to say, Metsy, Metsy, not Papa, not Mama, Metsy, Metsy, Metsy. So that's what they are. They're now singing the kids, Metsy, Metsy, Metsy. See, where they want food and everything. So the babies are even started. We got them from four years on. We got them from 10 years on, 15 years on, 18 years on. And we got them in a group. They have their own groups that come out here. It'd be just like you're giving a banquet at our ball games. Each group comes out with their own group, and it's been spelled down. And, of course, we've drawn over a million people who could do that, but uh, just the amazing Mets. And then they have that effeminate appeal, too, the Mets have. Our players, you know, look into the stand and have a graceful walk when they go up to the plate. And when they come back, they if they get a home run, they know they come in there and everybody bows to them and pats them on the back. So it'd be great to be a Met, and it'd be great to have the fans, if we can get up in the race, so they'll be supported for their wonderful sport. And I want to thank the broadcasters, the writers, and the photographers. They've done the biggest job that's ever been done to help bring the club forward. Now it's up to the players and the manager to get the team better so that we at least repay the money we've taken from the fans in New York City. What the hell was he talking about? Stengelese versus Sliwanis. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. When we come back, I was the only broadcaster on regular talk, all news, WINS, WCBS, or on Sports Talk, the fan or ESPN, to tell you the real story of what had transpired Thursday late in the day to the Milwaukee Brewers who beat the Mets at home 3-2. Only I and I alone told the story because this is all part of a Curtis Leeward Super Sports Spectacular. Hey, they just whacked 20 broadcasters at ESPN Television. There's got to be room for a Curtis Leeward Super Sports Spectacular in Bristol. Probably not. Those wasps, they all hate me. 
they told Tim McCarthy, the general manager of the of uh, ESPN Radio at that time, to fire me from my weekend assignment right after your very dear friend, uh, Warner Wolf, Broadway Bill Lee. He was on from 6 to 10 doing uh, morning talk, all different kinds of uh, sports situations, and I was doing Mets versus Yankees, you know, which people loved, and they fired me and sacked me. Let's go, Max. My own, not mine. It's another side of midnight. Now, to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC, here's Curtis Lewa. At the break of dawn, nobody's going suave, compose on me, Broadway Bill Lee and Avery. Nobody is going suave, compose on me. And I broke a Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular story right at 7.05, which I'm on every morning with Sid Rosenberg, Monday through Fridays. I told Sid, I said, you know, Justin Ellick, who does sports, is cheating on you. And he said, what are you talking about? Didn't tell you the full story of what happened with the Brew Crew, Milwaukee, which was in town playing the Mets on Thursday. So what are you talking about? I said, Operation Hush, Hush, Mush, Mush, nobody knows this. I got to be able to inter, uh, intercede and break into Justin Ellick's sports report at 8.05. He said, certainly. And Justin Ellick came on and I said, Justin, okay, so you're reporting that the Brewers beat the Mets 3-2. Did you happen to mention that the Brewers, staying in a Midtown hotel... One of the few that are not occupied by the invading illegal aliens got onto their coach bus, prepared to head through the Queensboro, uh, excuse me, Queens Tunnel, Queensboro, Queensbridge, Queens, 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 Queensboro Tunnel. Hey, right, right. Hold on a second. Midtown Tunnel. That's right. Midtown, 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 Midtown. And then all of a sudden they got caught in uh, Joe Biden gridlock. Within a period of 50 minutes, they went only two blocks. Everything was locked down because the president of the United States, who couldn't find his way out of a closet, was getting wine-dined in pocket line by big Democratic contributors. So we all had to pay the price. So at a certain point, the manager said... Hey, we got to bail out. We got to bail out. We got to take the John Rockers Express, the number seven train at City Field. But you got to do one thing, guys. You got to say nothing to nobody. Don't talk to anybody. Don't give any comments about your ride on the John Rocker Express. And they said, what are you talking about? Because many of them weren't even around when John Rocker was the number one reliever coming out of the bullpen. For the Atlanta Braves, remember Chop Chop, right? Turner, Fonda, together, Jimmy Carter, his wife, Chop Chop, Chop Chop, politically incorrect, but hell no. To this day, I must applaud the Atlanta Braves, no longer owned by Ted Turner, because they continue to do the Chop Chop. They continue to have Chief Pocahontas, whomever, come out of the TP whenever one of the Atlanta Braves hits a home run. So they get down into the slime and grime of the number seven train at Grand Central. It's deep, deep into the bowels underneath 42nd Street. 
and waiting for the train coming in from the Jacob Javits Center, the last stop of the 7 train. And they get on. And it's almost like a blast from the past. Remember when John Rocker would come out of the bullpen? He was he was shutting everyone down. And then he gave an interview to Sports Illustrated about the time he was forced himself to take the number seven train to the old Shea Stadium. And he said, Broadway Bill Lee, let me see if I can remember, if I can recite it from memory, uh, Avery. Imagine having to take the number seven train looking like you're in Beirut next to some kid with purple hair, next to some queer with AIDS, right next to some dude who got out of jail for the fourth time, right next to some 20-year-old mom with kids. It's depressing. He said that in June of 2000. And all of a sudden, he was in a free fall. He was called a racist, a sexist. He was called a misogynist. He was called a xenophobe. He never could recover from that a year later. Remember, he was coming out of the bullpen at the old Shea Stadium, and some guy in the top deck in left field threw a a full champagne bottle at him as he was strutting out to the mound. It was over for John Rocker. And no number seven train has been named the John Rocker Express, which it should have. But ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Buck Showalter got ejected the night before that in a 5-2 loss against the same brew crew, the Milwaukee Brewers. He's gotten thrown out back-to-back, belly-to-belly. It's not going to help. It's not Buck Showalter. It's not Steve Cohen. It's not any of the stars of the New York Mets. It's not Alonzo, the polar bear. It's not Schwerzer. It's not Verlander. It is the fact that the number one fan of the New York Mets is that drag queen, George Santos. Hey, guys. Today is opening day. As a good old Mets fan, I know you guys aren't going to be playing until April 6th back home. But in good old fashion, let's go Mets. God, it's a nightmare. Steve Cohen, let me give you some advice. We're approaching the All-Star break, and you're down there with baseman Bertha. You must relieve the Mets of this curse of George Santos. The Maluka. Let me suggest this. You approach George Santos, who's open to all kinds of bribes. He always has been. He always will be. And you tell him you'll bankroll him, but he must do one thing. He must stop saying that he is a New York Mets fan. In fact, you want him to do a video where he takes that same Mike Piazza throwback jersey that he sleeps with at night, holding it ever so close. Who is that, like Sam Champion? Yeah, well, look, you know, it's just rumors. It's innuendo. But you know what I'm talking about, Broadway Billy. And he sniffs that jersey right under the armpits and goes cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. He's to burn it, emulate it in a video and say, I hate the Mets. I hate the Mets. And the curse of George Santos on the Mets will be over. Over. Let's go, Mets. No, no. God, that's a nightmare. Ugh. But you know, you Met fans, 
You really deserve that. Is life so miserable that every year, hope upon all hope gets shattered? With even an owner like Stephen Cohn, who should be in jail for white-collar crime, for insider trading information, who should be in a camp fed somewhere, maybe the same one that Kushner's father went to in Alabama, but instead is spending mad money, mad money, mad money to get you a World Series, something the Will Ponzi's would never do. But there's that curse lingering out there. Let's go, Matt. Oh, God. God, the guy was never a Met fan. Who put him up to this? It's a freaking drag queen like Dylan Mulvaney. Could have a coffee clutch with Dylan Mulvaney, him, and that other transgender who took its top off in the front lawn of the White House, right? Three, they can have tea for three and compare notes on what it's like to be a drag queen. God, look, I, I, I really, I, I really, I, no, I don't feel for you, Met fans. I'm, I'm just trying to help out. This is the way out of this. Oh, God, this is the way out of this. I was walking around and everyone was staring and I was like, oh, okay, what's going on? And they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little Barbie pocket. 2S LGBTQPIA plus, 2S LGBTQPIA plus, 2S LGBTQPIA plus, 2S LGBTQPIA plus. Maybe, just maybe, Dylan Mulvaney could apply to Steve Cohen to become a a ball girl along the left field line. And that other transgender who took its top off at the White House could apply to be a ball girl on the right field line. I also feel energized to educate and articulate to others the importance and power of trans joy in a more effective way. So it's go mad. Oh God. Oh God. The curse of Steve Cohen is upon you of the Will Ponzi's. Oh my God. What a nightmare. Three drag queens. All of them working for the Mets, side by side with Mr. Met, who looks like he had steroids in his head, right? By the way, whatever happened to Mrs. Met? Half the time she's there, the other half the time he's with his gumata there when they're shooting up into the stands, those free T-shirts. The Mets, come on out and beat the Mets. Anyway, could you imagine Mr. Met all roided up in his head, walking around on one arm, Dylan Mulvaney, and the other arm, that transgender who took its top off in the White House. 2S LGBTQPIA plus. Oh, that'll be a turn on for Met fans. Yeah, right out there, the outfield, uh, the outfield. (laughs) 
I hate you, Met fans. I really hate you. I hate your owner who should be in jail for insider trading information. And he wonders, I can't imagine why with all the money I spent, with all the great ball players he has, and that is true, including Lindor at shortstop. Although, will you stop dyeing your hair orange, blonde, whatever that is? Who knows? Lindor could be the next drag queen joining the crew of George Santos, Dylan Mulvaney, and the White House topless transgender. It's Transgender Day at City Field! Yay! 2SLGBTQPIA+, 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 Why not? Transgender Day! Like, the articles written about me using key pronouns and calling me a man over and over again. And I, I feel like that should be illegal. I, I don't know. Illegal? Do you realize what words would be describing you from Met fans half in the bag before they even get in the city field? God. You know, you had images of a World Series. You had Schwerzer, Verlander. What are they making, like $80 million a piece? And then you had that Japanese phenom. I can't even pronounce his uh, name. And you had the polar bear at first base, Alonzo Wright. You are on your way to the World Series. Linder at short. Need I go through the rest of your lineup? Hell no. Nemo, Dimo, and uh, center field dropping every fly ball in his direction. What, what did Cohen give him? Like another $98 million? I watch every game. I see what's going on. Um... And, um, you know, I mean, if you ask me, you know, would I have expected us to be in this position at the beginning of the season, the answer is no. But here we are, and, you know, hopefully we can right the ship. And, and uh, you know, listen, we have quality players. Uh, for some reason or another, they're not yelling. When we pitch well, we don't hit. When we hit, we don't pitch well. Um, no, enough. Uh, enough of Steve I mean, Cohen. He belongs in jail for insider trading information. Can you imagine if KC Stingle were alive today, the manager of the Mets, and it was Transgender Day at City Field? Say another thing about it. They're sticking with us. We've got them from the babies up. As soon as the kid can talk, he starts to say Messi. Messi, not Papa, not Mama. Messi, Messi, Messi. So that's what they are. They're now singing the kids, Messi, Messi, Messi. See, where they want food and everything. So the babies are even started. We got them from four years on. We got them from 10 years on, 15 years on, 18 years on. And we got them in a group. They have their own groups that come out here. It'd be just like you're giving a banquet at our ball games. Each group comes out with their own group, and it's been spelled on. And, of course, we've drawn over a million people who could do that, but uh, just the basic Mets. And then they have that effeminate feel, too, the Mets have. Our players, you know, look into the stand and have a graceful walk when they go up to the plate. And when they come back, they, if they get a home run, they know they come in there and everybody bows to them and pats them on the back. So it'd be great to be a Met, and it'd be great to have the fans, if we can get up in the race, so they'll be supported for their wonderful sport. And I want to thank the broadcasters, the writers, and the photographers. They've done the biggest job that's ever been done to help bring the club forward. Now it's up to the players and the manager to get the team better 
so that we at least repay the money we've taken from the fans in New York City. It's so appropriate. Let's go mad. Steve Cohen, you need to have Transgender Day at City Field. With George Santos hugging on his Mike Piazza Italian Stallion throwback jersey as a self-made Met fan. Oh, Dylan Mulvaney saying, look, can I drink a, can I drink a Bud Light here? The transgender at the White House with its top off and, of course... The crowd from Tompkins Square Park saying, we're here, we're queer, we're coming for your children, right? Oh, you deserve it, Met fans. I hate you so much. I hate you, Steve Cohen. You're going to be in last place. Yeah. Bring back Casey Stingle. Channel Casey Stingle back. And of course, of course, Eddie Crane Pool. Castle Hill in the Bronx. Too legit to quit.